0: What's up, freaks? It's your Uncle Marty here. To introduce the Arbed Out episode, it's here! It's here, freaks, you've been waiting for it. I know you've been waiting a while. We actually planned to launch it on today. By request of Arbed Out. He wanted to get it as close to the Christmas holiday as possible so that you freaks are enjoying this in good times. Whether you're on the car ride home, or you're already home and you got a fire set up. Grab a glass of whiskey. It's, well, I'm going to drop this at like 10 a.m. on the East Coast. I hope you're not drinking that early. I hope you get warm and comfy. You're not stressed out by work. You're just able to dive into this conversation. Uh, very good conversation. Long one. Long rip. Uh, some of us got inebriated. There were nap- naps taken. Uh, piss is ripped. Good times had. I think you guys are going to like it. I know I certainly did. Sats, 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 stack those sats, stack those sats, stack those sats, stack those sets. Where you gonna do with the cash app The motherfucking cash app. Cash app's helping you stack sats, stack sats. Send sats, receive sats, and sell sats if you so please. Sell sats sell sets. Doesn't have a good good ring to it. Uh, they're also offering you sats back on purchases with your boost card. They have a Bitcoin boost that is going to give you a certain amount of Bitcoin back. I th- believe it's up to $7.50, 5% back on uh, on purchases that wouldn't get you $7.50 back. Uh, I used it yesterday. I said in my final thought I was going to have a ribeye. I went and had a ribeye. I paid for that ribeye with my boost card and I got some sats back. Quality meal and earned some of the hardest money that has ever existed from eating it. So, that was pretty dope. Cash App can also be your bank account. If you want to direct deposit your paychecks into the app, they're offering account numbers and routing numbers from your bank account to the Cash App to stacking sats. If you want to stack sats automatically, they have an auto DCA feature so you can set it and forget it. If you want to buy daily, weekly, or bi-weekly, Cash App's offering that ability as well. Sats are the standard within the app now when you withdraw you're going to see that you withdraw, you withdrew sats and not a fraction of a Bitcoin. This is huge for the unit bias. You're going to get a lot of sats for one Ripple. Actually, after this week, I don't know, I hear the Ripple price is, is falling. Um, haven't been following it too, too much, though. I should prepare for RHR later today. We're going to do a live RHR later today. I think we're going to do video. It's going to be cool. Back to the Cash App, all right? When you download the Cash App, if you haven't already, make sure you use the code STACKINGSATS, S-T-A-C-K-I-N-G-S-A-T-S. You're going to get $10, and $10 is going to go to our good friends at Owl's Lacrosse. That's Owl's
1: Lacrosse.
0: <coughs> Shout out to the Cash App. Download the Cash App. If you are stacking stats, make sure you're stacking and sending them off the app. Be aware of the withdrawal limits.
2: You've had a dynamic where money's become freer than free. If you talk about a Fed just gone nuts, all all the central banks going nuts, so it's all acting like safe haven. I believe that in a world where central bankers are tripping over themselves to devalue their currency, Bitcoin wins. In the world of fiat currencies, bitcoin is the victor i mean that's part of the bull case for bitcoin if you're not paying attention you probably should be, you probably, should be. You
0: probably should be well this is going to end in you wearing a gimp suit dude if <laughs> you just let the freaks vote on what your profile picture is you're going gonna have you're gonna have a, a mask democracy. on you're gonna have a ball in your mouth and that's gonna be your twitter it's avatar. not
2: a democracy christmas is good i love the freaks and this is the result merry
0: christmas everybody i just ninja launched on these two freaks that we're sitting down with the arbed out episode is here.
3: Oh no, are we live now? We are live. Well, let's kick it off right then. Sup freaks? Sup, <laughs> uh, gentlemen. First in person podcast.
0: We could say since Bitblock Boom. I will include that, but uh, intimate podcast. Matt and I since March.
2: Wow. Last RHR. Yeah, it's been a long time. Marty said, Matt, I have to leave the city. I don't want to get you sick. <laughs> You gave me a few masks
0: and uh, I went on that? my way.
2: And now I'm back. It's crazy to be back in the city.
3: Yeah. Thank you for coming out for me. I really appreciate that. I had no idea that we'd be dragging you out here, but it's great to see you both in person. I'd fly across the country for you. Across the world. <laughs> Likewise, man. Cheers. Cheers.
0: It's, uh, no, it's good. I mean, not to say like I'm happy away from my wife and my child, uh, but it's good to get out of the house. Yeah. Get out of the small village by the <laughs> sea that I've been living on. <laughs> uh, and up to the city. It's crazy. Being back here, traffic, just as bad as ever. Parking, particularly. Yeah. Just as bad as ever. I hate parking in this city.
3: Well, I hope the stakes made it with your while. For those of you who are listening to this, we are coming off of a ribeye high right now. I think you should have had a one-pound ribeye each.
0: Ribeye in the belly. Glass of Mectors in my hand. This is This is right where I want to be on this Tuesday afternoon. Happy Tuesday freaks. Happy Bitcoin Tuesday.
3: Happy Bitcoin Tuesday.
0: Matt, you're a little quiet over there. How are you feeling are you just Bitcoin taking it all Tuesday,
3: in? Bitcoin Tuesday, best day of the week.
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, this is great.
3: So I know there's a tradition at least lately of dropping these like right as they happen, but I'm hoping this happens. I think we talked about this closer to the holidays. I'm thinking I'm not saying this is the TFTC holiday special, but in the same way that Die Hard isn't a Christmas movie, but is a Christmas movie, this isn't a Christmas podcast, but uh, happy yeah, so holidays.
0: We, uh, we teased this on Twitter today with a Seinfeld gift, so we'll probably drop this on Festivus. Just to...
3: <laughs> a Festivus for the rest of us, I love it. Yes,
0: so you freaks will know as you're listening to this on Festivus, you're not going to know before. Hmm. I'm going to tease you, you're probably going to be complaining about, about dropping it, getting tweeted at.
2: We'll see, though. A lot could happen between now and then. <laughs> what do you think? What do you mean a lot could happen? Like there could, Bitcoin could be banned. <laughs> what are so the we, odds that Bitcoin gets banned between now and release date? Uh, I don't know.
0: What's going on? Like, are,
3: what, are we jumping right into this? Is we going to talk about Mnuchin and the self Pacific Well it just or,
2: popped up. We're
0: just going to go where the conversation takes us, and this is where we are right now. Like, did the, did the cyber horn scare him away? Is he busier with other things? Was it all fud? Were they ever going to do anything? Did Warren Davidson, Emersons, TUD... I'm forgetting the fourth representative. of their letter have any impact on his decision to launch it? I thought he was going to ninja launch it at 5 p.m. last Friday. Which mm-hmm. is what they typically do. It doesn't seem to have happened.
3: Well, I can't imagine them doing anything last minute right before the holidays. Then again, I'm thinking the last time Mnuchin surprised me was that random letter that he released to the press saying that he'd called all the heads of the different banks and confirmed that there were no problems. Remember this a couple years ago in 2018? Yes. Yes. Yeah. So who knows what's going on in his mind? Um, I can't say I'm particularly concerned either way. I think Bitcoin is more powerful than any one man, even if that man is the secretary of the treasury.
0: (laughs) Right. And I think there's just like a lot of confusion. Like I think what confused the markets was that letter from the representatives because they were posturing like it was going to be like a full-on ban on custody Yeah. where the rumors behind the scenes I was hearing is just like, hey, confirm that you uh, possess this address that you're sending this Bitcoin to from exchange. Two very different scenarios.
2: Yeah, I mean, I mean, we could call like the most likely scenario here is self-custody restrictions, but if you fully restrict self-custody, then to me that's essentially a Bitcoin ban you know if 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 this wallet doesn't let me control the keys is it even a Bitcoin wallet and so 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 if that's the only wallet I can use then you're banning Bitcoin wallets. it's a good topic to get on
0: the Orwellian speak around this what is a self hosted wallet right and why is that why is that bad vernacular
3: it's very strange to me hosting is a word that's adopted from the client server paradigm you host a server and clients access your server What does it mean for us to self am I self hosting you guests in my home right now? Isn't everything self hosted? You're it's either you're holding your destiny or someone else's.
0: I have a private key in my mind too, so Yeah. You're self hosting somebody self hosting. I think that's a double crime. Oh man. We're criminals.
2: Well, like if you don't self host, it's not Bitcoin. So uh, but it's 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 I, I don't like the term. The term the term is it's it's a malicious term well, and I think we shouldn't be we shouldn't even be using the term I like no. the
0: I like the term malicious term because it is no. we cannot uh give in to their their vernacular and their definitions of these things I don't think
3: No, because Let, so, letting them frame the narrative is the first mistake
0: yeah right and
3: so what would you prefer custodial versus non-custodial
0: just simply a wallet yeah no. right non-custodial But you're still custodying. There's still custody at the end of the day. It's just who custodies it. Um, I'm trying to think what else people call it. It's Software at the end of the day.
3: Yeah, that's really what we're talking about. Whether we all have the right to run the software that we would like to on our own personal property, on our own machines.
0: Yeah, and going back to the client-server relationship that you described that self-hosted sort of implies... Like that's the last thing anybody wants to do with their Bitcoin wallet is let anybody outside of themselves access that wallet. Right. For anything.
3: How long have we been chanting, not your keys, not your coins? I mean, you could argue
0: oh. like full node is a wallet at the end of the day, but how many people. Maybe I'm wrong here. Am I wrong?
3: I don't think you're wrong. No. No. Um,
0: yeah. Do we think something happens? Like, is it just go away?
3: Uh, you know, I hate thinking of it that way because that. Uh, sort of encourages complacency, but I'm not particularly concerned. We've heard a bunch of rumors, we've seen a bunch of preemptive responses, but nothing, not even a trial balloon? That seems strange to me. I mean maybe there's a Christmas surprise in the offing, but I doubt it. I think we're all just working ourselves up into a lather. This is the American equivalent of China's banned Bitcoin.
0: I like that a lot. And we've seen a lot of China bans Bitcoin throughout the years.
3: <laughs> oh, I miss those memes.
0: I mean, yeah. North America politics catching up to Bitcoin Well, way behind China.
3: Yeah.
0: China versus America theme of 2020 is a very interesting one. You know, they're buying land in Texas. (laughs) Um, We're not going to get into
2: that yet, but. The Chinese are buying land in Texas? Yeah, Kyle Bass has been tweeting about it. They've got
0: like 200 (laughs) square miles. They're building airstrips. I mean, a former PLA officer.
2: They're just trying to get back at Kyle for shorting the Hong Kong dollar. (laughs) I think so. I think it's personal. It's a personal vendetta. Yes.
3: Can I ask you to pour me some <laughs> bourbon?
2: Oh, yes, sir.
0: Uh, we're drinking uh, a 10 Tenure right now. Very special occasion.
3: For those of you who are listening at home, I want to make it clear that I haven't had anything to drink yet.
2: Oh, you have it.
3: No, not yet. I was busy making a steaks, man.
2: Mm, clear head. Let me
3: give you a, yeah. a good Cheers. there. That's a healthy three fingers right there. Wow. Cheers. To seeing my friends in person again. It's great to see you both. Bitcoin. Cheers. And, of course, to Bitcoin. Love you guys.
0: No, it is good to be back.
3: Oh. Good to it's have good,
0: you. Good to have some like personal interaction outside of my family and like close friends group. It's uh it's weird how much again, like first time in New York since I moved out in June. It's crazy how much like actually it hasn't really changed that much outside of people wearing masks.
2: We had a conference in Dallas too.
3: Yeah, but I was that's not New York City.
2: Yeah.
3: I'm talking about, are, <laughs> well, you're singing with wildly different eyes. Now you got your family all settled in your village by the sea. This is a different place than the place that you came up in. Yeah. I can't imagine yeah. trying to park in this city with a, with
0: a <laughs> <also>. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's fucking weird. What a, what a year it's been. Like are we at the beginning of some cultural inflection point. Okay.
3: Oh, are we going to talk about is this the, the New York discussion? Or are we having that? All right, you we mean, can jump
0: into New York. I was just saying, like, um, is this year like the beginning of a decade long? Is New York a scam?
3: <laughs> I'll table that. I think New York, I think the dream that uh, television sells you of New York City is definitely a scam. I think a lot of people came here after watching, I don't know, Friends or Sex in the City or any one of a half dozen television sitcoms that are set in New York City. And that dream that was pitched to them, that's certainly a scam.
0: Yeah, it's really the New Yorker cover that came out a couple of weeks ago. Yeah especially this year.
2: Well, I mean, I think that's a little bit...
0: Uh... We got the New Yorker coming and chiming in, defending a city. Go well, we ahead. had three Go New ahead.
2: Yorkers. It's three New Yorkers sitting in an apartment in New York. I am not oh. a New Yorker. I'm a Philadelphian. Oh, wow. Well, <laughs> well. Cheers to that. <laughs> uh, I uh, mean, I don't think that New Yorker cover was fair to New Yorkers. Like, to, to you know, I, I don't think... Uh,
0: yeah, that's definitely going on in Philadelphia now. Especially talking to my brother last weekend, it's weird. It's a weird scene. Twenty twenty.
3: Yeah, I can't help but think it's at least partly related to the shift to remote work that was accelerated by the lockdowns and the pandemic. At the end of the day, one of the things that makes New York great is the fact that everyone just shows up here. We're all sort of in the same. It's our shelling point. You exactly.
0: Know? It's a it's a mindshare shelling point.
3: Yeah. So what happens when there is no such thing as a geographic selling point anymore? I don't think New York is going away anytime soon. I think it's great for what it is, but I think we're in the middle of rethinking what it is.
0: I agree. I think San Francisco falls way before New York.
3: San Francisco might be, yeah, it's different, because people come here to be New Yorkers, for lack of a better way to put it. People go to San Francisco, oh, I'm going to annoy all my California friends, aren't I? Right. People go to San Francisco for the tech scene and the VC scene and to be part of that. So when that Migrates away when you see people like Larry Ellison and Elon Musk saying they're going to Austin instead. I think that has a huge impact on them.
0: Yeah, and uh, much
3: love to all my SF friends who are listening right now. To
0: my SF friends as well. I know you're out there. Well, San, Francisco's fucked, right? <laughs> oh, Dude, San Francisco is fucked, right? Oh shit! San Francisco is.
3: I mean, New we York's, love you, San New Francisco. York's, New
0: York's dirty. <laughs> like, I came to New York from Chicago. This is about Chicago. To be a New York compliment. Chicago the cleanest. Like, so we're going on a gradient here. Chicago is like one of the cleanest cities I've ever. i'm from philadelphia philadelphia may be dirtier
2: than new york (laughs) it is yeah i mean yeah there's trash but the trash yeah and trash per capita you gotta go trash per capita i think new york's got more trash per capita no trash per capita we're probably very low you know we have a high per capita claim claim Claim. fact check
3: this is what I love about this podcast you two like always you're you get there but there's a lot of I don't want to say old married couple but you guys know uh, each other yeah. well enough to like
2: what do you think about the trash per capita do you think New York City fares well trash per capita
3: oh god I don't think you can break that down in New York City I think it breaks down to the neighborhood um, give me a specific neighborhood and I'll say I would wouldn't go there um, <laughs> Upper East Side's terrible I live on the Upper East
0: Side for five years the trash in the Upper East Side is a deplorable yeah. situation
3: um, if you want to average it out compared to where Philadelphia or Chicago
0: you Chicago have, is not like... Let's, go cleaner. With Philly.
2: let's just jump into Philly. I would eat off the streets of Chicago compared to New York. and Philly. It's, it is easily. known now.
3: Manhattan, at least, is cleaner than, in my experience, the worst parts of Philly. But Chicago, I'm going to say, it is, is too cold to get too dirty. Put it that way. <laughs> it's just, I mean, come on. I can't be out doing that.
0: Uh, no, it's the alleyways. It's putting your trash in the alleyways. I've t- discussed this many times. Putting your trash on the streets is terrible.
2: We don't have alleys. Yeah. You know, Chicago...
0: I mean, we talked about the Chicago Fire gave the city of Chicago the opportunity to rethink how they designed the city. But
2: like, are alleys like big blocker logic? No, I think they're... Like, shouldn't you maximize the full use of the block? And it is maximized with the alleys. Yeah, it's
0: just like wasted space. No, it's not. You got car, uh, car parks. I don't want to say car park. Driveways. Backyards. Backyards that face each other so you can wave to your neighbor and say, Hey, buddy, what's up? Can't do that here. I see a fence here. We, we literally have a backyard at this apartment. Yes. We're Matt and I are moving in.
3: Are we gonna be doing a Strong Towns thing? Is that where this is going? Ooh, or are we gonna I
0: was actually thinking about Strong Towns with the drive up here. Yeah. Um was listening to the Mo Fax podcast, Adam Carey and Mo Fax, and they were talking about trap rap in Atlanta and how Atlanta had like a highway system completely blow out their neighborhoods and ended up in a bunch of like one way roads that ended to dead ends. And that's like where trap houses would start and like trap rap started. And like literally hmm. the design of those physical areas led to particular types of crime in areas. So hmm. I actually was thinking about strong towns, not just bullshitting either. Um, that was a tangent, but no, it is like thinking of how the design of a city can affect the quality of life of the people that live in it. No. And, you know, Tied into Bitcoin as a Bitcoin podcast. <laughs> the design of a protocol can dictate the uh, the functionality of that protocol, right? Yeah. The absolutely. people who use it. Absolutely. You've been reading books.
3: <laughs> One or two. Oh man, uh, I feel like I used to tweet a lot more uh, books about money. I think you've seen a There's a pile of them somewhere that you uh, I think Matt's next to you. Maybe. I don't know what do you want to what do you want to talk about? My latest reading list is that what we're doing?
0: I want to talk about what you tweeted about yesterday cuz I think it's a very interesting conversation. Oh,
3: the the latest book I was reading, Quinn and Turner is a boom and bust.
0: What drives bubbles, technology or government?
3: Yeah. Um, hmm, I don't know if I necessarily agree with the thesis, but you know, I'm reading the book, so that's what I was tweeting about. I think it's an interesting framing because it immediately uh forces you to place investors into two distinct groups are you the type of person who cheers on and believes in government-led i'm not gonna say bubbles but government-led uh investor returns versus technological investor returns i think i said this before we started filming there are fang bros and there are bank bros but there are no fang bank bros you know yeah um right i think it's an interesting idea uh am wary of subscribing to it wholeheartedly because everything these days is technology driven you know you can say anything that is, anything these days is a technology company so by definition anything that's prices going up is tech and is a tech bubble by association
0: but when has that never been the case like, yeah was the railroad tech like was
3: that's fair I guess tech is a catch-all for like something that excites us and makes us marvel at a new way of doing things okay I see your point that's it's
2: like the new shit
3: yeah, I guess that's what you want to break it down to. Is it the new shit bubble or the government pushing the bubble? Is it the housing bubble or the tech bubble? What's your poison?
1: I, think, I mean,
0: I think it's, I I mean, I think everybody knows where I fall. I think it's definitely the government, right? Misallocation of capital due to money printing. And I, I had to, I had to, rehashing stories again. Welcome, new freaks. You're going to hear some old stories rehashed here. Like, working in a WeWork in this city <laughs> Like by the Empire State Building for three years, just seeing the tech quote unquote tech companies that were like on my floor, like like in Groupon, ripoffs, dog walking app ripoffs, like they got they got funded. They some of them were on like Series B and they're shit. Like would that, would that have happened if the yeah, access to cheap credit wasn't what it was at that particular point in time?
3: That's an interesting question. I think about that a lot. I was in New York, obviously, at the same time as you are when we were seeing all that dumb money flood around. Uh, like and after-
0: WeWork was like the hottest thing ever. People would go to meetups that we work in, FiDi, and, and like, they I, were, like their shit didn't stink.
3: I have so many WeWork <laughs> stories that I can't say because it'll just dox me right off the bat. I was pretty up close and personal watching some of the WeWork stuff happen. Not like inner circle, but close enough to be like, what on earth is going on? This is a very obvious business model. You know, it's. It's the classic uh, term liability matching. Basically, you don't want to take on a full time lease. You just want a month to month. We work, uh, allows you to let that happen. They take off that risk up front, and then they try to sell it to investors.
0: Like, they'll be able to manage that. That, Yeah.
3: And that's, hey, that's a perfectly viable business model, but it's not going to be a 100X leveraged unicorn. That's not.
0: Is it even viable? It's, That's compounded risk to a, because you got real estate risk. They're
3: like right now, I I
2: imagine they're just in like full scramble mode, right? Like their whole business model was like leveraged urban office space. Yeah. And like that, is, then, that yeah. market just got fucking clobbered this then it's year. it's double
0: leverage because you're depending on companies that may not succeed.
2: But yeah, you know, and on short-term leases. Yeah. yeah. That's why it's leveraged risk. That's the leverage. But it's like double leverage. Yeah. You got the
0: real estate leverage –
3: it's right. interesting because their most immediate competitor Regis doesn't have these problems and it's not because they're not doing in the same business it's because they targeted a different market segment they had different they weren't going after startups who could collapse you know at any given moment in time they didn't brand themselves as a tech company they were just you know we're a co-working space a real estate business it's we pretty,
0: were... say target. What co- companies do they
3: target? we work wanted to be a tech company, and that's how they branded themselves. They wanted to be the hot new place where all the startups, uh, yeah. And I, re- up.
0: and I remember because they would, they had their website, their portal, where you could like communicate with the yep. people in your building at different companies. I was like, I never want to use this. Like, I don't fucking care what these people are doing. Like, get this way, like, <laughs> trying to force you to use it. I'm like, yep. I just I- want to get in here, do my work, and get the fuck out. Like, cool. Thanks for the beers. I'll say yeah. what's up. And we'll have small talk. Groundbreaking about. beer. I want to become friends with these people. I'm sorry.
3: That was definitely part of it: the free beers and the free coffee and the foosball table and like the recreation of the dot com culture, sort of in like a you know a single use uh, sellable package. You could just show up and be part of you know a bunch of different startup geeks uh, all sharing beer on Friday at five p.m. That was the that was what they were trying to sell. Yeah.
0: But then you have this dark like six p.m on a Wednesday at a WeWork. <laughs> you could tell everybody wasn't doing too well from a business perspective. They may have been having fun, enjoying the beers, the coffee, the flavored water. The businesses weren't doing too hot. But, the yeah. one I worked for being one of them, too. Like selling offshore I software mean, services. I
2: mean, but to pull it back, right? Like, So, I mean, the idea is that in, like, a Bitcoin world, every investment we make, you're going to consider... It needs to make back better than the return if I just held Bitcoin, right? Yeah. That's the thought so, process. Well oh, that's a it,
0: that's a temporary transitionary
2: investment opportunity cost uh, consideration. But like it just like the risk free rate of return, does that even apply anymore in like a post Bitcoin world? Yeah, with lightning pool. But like but is the isn't the risk free rate of return really just holding Bitcoin, like having the underlying asset that's deflationary.
0: So the risk-free rated return would be dictated. Yes, you were, you were a hodler. Right. And you can hodl your coins. While Just you hodl, hodl forever. People would need to use them for liquidity. My great
2: grandkids, like those sats are going to be worth more purchasing power wise if, if they're hodled.
0: But at a point when it's, correct me if I'm wrong, and there's sufficient liquidity and adoption from the masses that, that rate of return on hodling, approaches the rate of return on what like an interest rate today would be at some point in the far off future at least that's the way i would imagine it
3: oh my you're asking me for my chop oh, in here all right we're on a podcast we're all just talking to each other all right so traditionally the <laughs> the risk-free rate for an asset well okay typically we're talking about something backed by a government and it's risk-free because the government uh the sovereign can't go bankrupt they'll always have your back they'll be the lender of last resort uh, if you want to talk about Bitcoin as being a risk-free asset, I guess you'd have to define your numerator as being Bitcoin. You're only, you can't worry about the exchange rate. You have to be focused on one BTC equals one BTC. Sats. hundred million sats equals hundred million yeah. sats. If sats are your safe haven, then Bitcoin is a risk-free asset. Well, so I was like, okay, so here,
2: so the ultimate FOMO is when you start pricing your annual worth in in sats. So, so so you're, so I say to myself, I, how much money can I make for, for, for Matt Odell this year? Mm -hmm. And then through all these different avenues, you know I can like whore myself out. You know I got my day job. You like do all the different things. I thought you were talking about whoring yourself out in your gym suit. You know, sometimes it might be worth it, depending on the Sats per dollar rate. You know,
3: PG thirteen guys, come on.
2: That's where I'm going with this, right? Is like you 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 calculate that whole thing, and you say this is the my Sats per year this year. This year, if you do that yearly, it is almost always going to trend down, right? That that was that's fucking crazy. Like no matter what. You could do the same exact amount of work in three years. You're going to probably make significantly less sats for that work.
3: No, it's strange putting those numbers together. They it seems readily apparent as soon as you do the math out. But having lived through a few of these cycles, can would you have imagined they would have had that trajectory? Like, imagine doing that math. But right. say, the, if
2: if you date the math, it's really fucked up. Yeah. If you post-date the math, like we're way past our peak. Like I am never going to achieve anything. Like I've already achieved greatness in my past (laughs) sats per year uh earning potential (laughs) you know like that you're never going to hit that earning and this is used as like deflationary currency fud right
0: yes but yes there's a what i would like to get to is like the deflationary currency fud like how much of that fear the f in the fud is driven by the fact that we've only ever lived in a world that has been one way and like we just don't Literally uh, don't were... have any experience with the the other condition being around while we're
3: alive. So to rephrase that, how much of the fear of, of a deflationary currency is driven by the fact that we're so very used to inflationary currency? Yes. Oh, goodness. That's hard to quantify. Uh, but I will say that there is a tremendous amount of support for an inflationary currency from the type of people that you're used to listening to and trusting about money. It's in the interest of government bureaucrats to have an inflationary currency. Because it allows you to goose that all-important number of GDP. You need growth. You need growth. You need growth as measured. You know, growth at all costs, baby. Yeah. Um, merchants, of course, love inflationary currency. The that's the whole game. You want to spending. Yeah. Get it in circulation. Let the dollar circulate. Yeah. Um, then
0: yeah. And then, so like, should we have these bureaucrats and these merchants driving?
3: It's interesting the because our, our monetary system. Our shared experience of Bitcoin so far to date. Is there anything to be particularly concerned about, about having a deflationary asset? You've experienced it holding it firsthand. Are you particularly concerned about?
0: It? Yeah, Outside of like the family, like thinking I'm crazy, like nothing, nothing well, it really. It seems pretty cool. I,
3: yeah. But I
2: think if you unpack the incentive, like it makes sense to me as an incentive, right? Because it's basically incentivizing me to work my fucking ass off as a young person and have as little expenses as possible. So it's, it's, it's the straight incentive is work so fucking hard and save as much money as possible when you're young, and then retire early, like that's the incentive, yeah, because your SATs per dollar earning SATs per year is like fucking going straight downhill, especially in this adoption phase. yeah, but these bureaucratic types that we're describing here, they would say
0: collectively, as a millennial cohort, <laughs> that does not bode well for the economy if everybody's pension pinch- well, tightening the belt.
3: Defined by what metric? What metric are you choosing to say? Growth. Yeah. Growth. Okay, if if never ending growth is your goal, then yes, you want an inflationary currency. Um never ending growth in human beings is generally defined as a tumor. <laughs> <No>? <laughs> right. I think you should stop. Is the economy worrying. metastasizing right now. Yeah, exactly. Um I think I want to say Jeff Diaz actually recently published a book about this. Uh I haven't had a chance to read it yet. Jeff Dice? Yeah. I mispronounced his name. I'm an awful person. I could,
0: I could have pronounced that yeah? you're, you're talking to the chronic mispronouncer um, here.
3: But his thesis, and I haven't had a chance to read it again, is that there's really nothing to be concerned about, and it's actually you should be embracing deflation. I'm looking forward to cracking that open.
0: Yeah, no, and I think that ties really well to what Jeff Booth's been pushing out there. Like we have deflationary I, pressures from technology advancement, particularly software. Well, the we'll well, like, iPhone gets as cheaper
2: every year, or whatever. Yeah.
0: Right. Actually, no, you can go back to the railroad reduced um, the cost to, like to free things. Yeah.
2: TVs, like, cost, like, nothing nowadays. You can get, like, a like, we, like we've like we hit this point where it's just, like, a flat screen Instagram costs nothing. just get, like, for, for like,
1: $300, yeah. you just get it's nice
2: It's more like
0: Instagram. TV. Instagram's a platform where you can build an audience for free and then monetize that via ads. But that's an example, like, you don't need to invest that much into being an Instagram thotty other than... Being shameless and putting yourself your out you your skin. Well, I'm,
2: I'm sure there's some that I have shame. I, I'm sure there are. There yeah. definitely are. If you look at the depression. Right?
3: <laughs> um, yeah.
0: So, let's stop it. <laughs> Any insights from this
2: book?
3: Uh, I haven't had a chance to read it yet, but I do have some something to riff off on what Matt just said. Yeah, let's uh, go for s- it. Staying saving up your sats till you eventually retire young.
2: Yeah, exactly. Let's talk about this, because I okay. think this is like a main tenant of Bitcoiner.
3: Or... Um. So, I'd like to think we know each other decently well, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna make a bold uh, prediction here. If you were to retire, I would give you six months before you got bored out of your mind and then dedicated yourself to something that you actually. Well, when I say retire,
2: is like really like you've just hit the fuck you money point, and then everything else is just gravy sats. Okay. Like they're just your extra sats that you're bringing in along the way, but really you don't it doesn't matter
3: okay that's great let's dig into this because this is right where we should talk about whether you should fear a deflationary or inflationary uh, currency once you've gotten to that fe money point what do you want to do with your life do you want to just do what you were doing with an inflationary in currency do you want to keep trying to gather more and more bucks and spend more and more and acquire more and more or are you trying to do something else that might have been phrased leadingly.
2: I was gonna say, do you
0: want to deal with insurance companies? In
2: oh Australia? fucking! Ins- oh, so I have multiple freaks reached out, by the way, about insurance companies defending them. Oh wow! Which I—that's why I love the freaks. I knew I knew that was gonna happen. No, I—I um, I think the freaks know. I mean, I think you. Yeah, it was a leading fucking question, right? Yeah. Yeah, like obviously, like that's why I do the fucking podcast. Like to be honest, like the podcast. Probably falls more in the gravy sats category than in the, you know, in like the paying the rent category. It's it's something that I do because of the mission. Um, but uh, so then. We- but like the idea of like retirement to me is 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 not not doing anything like fucking. Of course, you want to still do shit. Right. You want to just but but you do shit from like a fuck you money point of view where it doesn't fucking matter. Like you can make every mistake in the book. You're still set. Like, that's when you're thats when you retired.
3: See, now, if a deflationary currency enables you to do that, how could I be scared of it? The alternative is an inflationary currency where you're oh, yeah. constantly trying to get your hands on more and more so that you don't run out after you retire and you'll be able to afford your health care and your retirement. The
2: biggest negative to this system is savings FOMO where like you just feel like you just don't have enough savings which is like the most ridiculous negative ever like that is it's like you wake up in the morning you're like damn do I have enough long-term savings I'm not sure I feel like I don't have enough long-term savings today yeah did I stack enough (laughs) sats right well when you say it that way then it does sound like a drug but if you say it like I'm just trying to have some long-term savings
0: what are my kids gonna think
2: yeah like Do I have enough? <laughs> right? You know, like that—that's ridiculous. Is
0: my son gonna look at me like, "What the fuck were you doing in 2020, Dad?" Yeah. <laughs> I was on the front lines of the meme war trying to stack as, much <laughs> as <it's> popular. <laughs> uh, it is, but like that mental rewiring of the framework—it's hard for people to grasp when you lay it out like you two just did. Like, it's like, "Oh, yeah, no duh." But how do people not get to that "no duh" moment? You literally have an environment in which. working paycheck to pay most people working paycheck to paycheck hard to save uh, just trying to get as much money as possible to stay afloat and then the people in control of the money are literally telling you like we're gonna try and inflate your currency at this target like we want you to be debased even more like how is it such a hard sell to people
3: uh okay I hate to do this but I'm gonna put my Iranian hat on I have a lot of Iranian family who have gone through something similar but they don't have the benefit of living in the country that prints out the global reserve currency. Mm-hmm. So this dynamic plays out in places where uh, dollarization can't take hold. It, ha- it happens in prisons, it happens in restricted currency environments. You end up with a bifurcated currency. Uh, there's the currency that is constantly inflating away slowly and slowly slowly that you can't do anything about because you get paid in it and prices are denominated in it. This is your uh, medium of account, medium of payment currency. You're trying to spend this stuff as fast as possible on stuff that won't lose its value. So, a bunch of luxury goods will immediately acquire the status of near money things like cell phones and trucks, things, refrigerators, things that don't lose their value right away. You'll be buying those things because you don't want your hyperinflated money to uh, be worthless. You want to get something, get your hands on that maybe will hold its value a little longer. But you'll also probably have, there's, Near money is to get you so far. You're probably gonna have a stash. Of, for most people, it's dollars. Maybe some people, old school, have gold coins that they just keep in a box, lying somewhere, and it's their, you know, security at night. They're or, and take a look around. This uh, rugs are actually used as stored value for a lot of people. Really? Yeah. This rug is maybe it's, it's seen better days, but I, yeah, I mean,
2: it's how the rug. It's held he doesn't sp- own a single chair.
0: He's got a couple <laughs> stools in the kitchen. We must be fair. Yeah, yeah, stools. Table I, stools. I mean,
3: what would Pierre think? Pierre, Pierre would be
0: very proud right now. We're literally sitting on it's a very comfortable. We're floor. like sitting on the floor. Yeah. Well we're not sitting on the floor, we're sitting on cushions
2: on top of the floor. I love this. It's meant and instead he stacks sets.
3: Yeah. Apparently. Look, allegedly. I cook my steaks like Bitstein is watching me. I lift my <laughs> I lift my weights like Bitstein is watching me. <laughs> and I buy my furniture like Pierre's in the room with me. <laughs>
0: Uh, And you make your memes
3: right i wish i memed as good as those guys (sighs) bitstein has got this great tweet from like 2017 you know uh eat meat lift weights hodl bitcoin and Um, every time i see it i think like
0: it's just pin tweet i'm pretty sure if you go on your profile
3: can you imagine if you'd read that tweet that day and decided like all right today i'm just gonna do one press up and i'm gonna stack ten dollars worth and i'm (laughs) gonna eat a little less sugar just like
2: Best value tweet ever. You'd be right? Ri- you'd be a rich <laughs> machine by this point. And that was like... Such so a good value tweet. I don't know?
0: get too into like the Bitcoin stereotypes of eat me in a left way. It's Dude, Michael Quenta, I forget who he works for. He's out in the Philippines. But he posted something. He went like keto and intermittent fasting. And lost like 20 pounds. In so six he's like all the
2: Filipino year. companies. Yeah. Oh, wow. He was like early Filipino Bit- Bitcoiner. Yeah.
0: He got like ripped in like six weeks. But if you buy, buy a good diet, eat steaks delicious steak by the way
3: i'm glad you liked. It, it came
0: out really really good let's talk about the process here you got a 90 second interval process here.
3: okay um you're gonna hear my steak tips uh i think i gave <laughs> uh first i mean foremost you got to find a good butcher you have to find you don't go to your supermarket not that the supermarket meat is bad but you should be able to be able to look your butcher in the eye and ask them some questions because you're gonna have some opinions about your steak um,
0: and have some connection with that mean. Hopefully your butcher does and that's like a
3: Yeah, exactly. Um I went down to I'm not gonna dox myself, I'm gonna but there's a, a butcher near here that I went to. Uh we got one inch ribeyes, one pound each, uh each for the three of us. Uh I think we all just did coarse salt and black pepper, yeah, I think. Matt,
0: Matt went with the uh
3: Model went with the Montreal Steak seasoning, respect. I had it, so I'm not yeah, I mean
2: it was there. It was yeah. there for me.
3: Yeah, yeah. I'm a
0: straight salt and pep guy.
3: So it's.
2: I don't even know what's in that shit. What is in that? It's like salt, pepper, and some other shit, right? right?
3: Yeah, like garlic powder and onion powder and that type of stuff. Uh, So it's pretty simple. Just fire up their charcoal grill, get it up to 400 degrees, keep it there. You don't want to go over and under. You're probably going to want to brush either your grill or your steaks with some fat so that it'll uh, cook evenly. Otherwise, it'll just be the fat in the steak cooking. You'll get uneven charring. And slap it on your grill, after 90 seconds rotate it so you get those nice grill marks another 90 seconds you flip it now another 90 seconds rotate it again, so you've done two 90 seconds on each side, It's three minutes total each side, yank it out, ten it for five minutes under aluminum foil, you got your stick delicious,
0: Matt doesn't eat the fat
2: yeah. Great. you're just gonna dox me like this? <laughs> you're gonna do me like this? this isn't a doxing, this is it's a been shaming, been you gotta eat the fat
0: two years part. man,
2: two years <laughs> oh
3: it's So great outdoors, shame. I love it.
0: What a shame! This is uh, well. You were well,
2: you were critiquing my my like pre-cut yeah, routine. You did the father move where he just cut his whole steak. Or he just pre-sliced his whole steak, put the knife down, and just had it with his fork going forward. <laughs> I did. I did give you shit for that. You know what? It's good good I didn't back. do it. I didn't do it publicly. <laughs> I didn't do it publicly. No, but we're, we're getting. It's it. all love here. It's all love here. Well,
0: now, like, how different is this being in person?
2: You know, I missed it. You know, this is why we did it. You know, your your face isn't as attractive through the screen. Like, uh, <laughs> it's good to see the fucking mug in person. I shaved for you.
3: This feels different. I mean, I've only been listening to the other ones, obviously, but it feels different than uh, the post-pandemic podcast. Having you both in the same room, I'm, I'm liking the uh, the environment here.
0: It's a, it's a good vibe.
2: Another thing that's nice. You're is stuck when, between the two of us. <laughs> when we record in person, like, if the sound gets fucked up on my mic, this is Marty's fault. I have zero responsibilities. I hold this mic. I speak. Uh, when we do it remote, I then I have responsibilities. If if my quality on my side comes out bad, like that's all on me. I have to be.
3: So this is better, because it can all be his fault. Is that what you're? This is
2: more me? custodial relationship. You know, <laughs> it's, it's a better <laughs> relationship. I, I don't have to self-host it. And, and now I'm like starting to sweat because <laughs> you know, the freaks have been freaking out about
0: the audio quality the last two mm-hmm. episodes. I got my headphones in, freaks. It's usually Marty's fault. It's a, hey, hey, I'm not an audio. Not engineer. your
3: mic. Not your fault. <laughs>
0: Uh, um. Actually, we're gonna get we're gonna get some we're gonna go legit set up. This is like a problem I want to make go away in twenty twenty one.
2: Yeah, we'll see. We'll see, folks. <sighs> yeah, I, I said that
0: in twenty nineteen too. Um, no, it is good to be back. It, yeah, it's like that's I guess from my perspective, being in this small village by the sea. <laughs> more <laughs> importantly, having a child. Like, luckily, where we are, uh, there's like very few amount of people where we're living and like the, there's like no mass mandate or anything. So people are walking outside. You can smile waves of them and you can see their face. But that's like something I've been hyper cognizant about with my son is like going to these places, wearing a mask. So we went to the zoo, which like, I, I felt bad after going to the zoo. I don't think we should go to zoos anymore.
2: Why? Cause the animals. Yeah. It was well, just... the, the shitty zoos are really bad. They're like concentration yeah, but, camps.
0: Yeah. This was, this wasn't a, this wasn't the shittiest zoo I've been to. Chicago zoo. For how clean Chicago is, it's got like the worst zoo in the world.
2: I feel like you really you come a long way when you realize you're an adult when you go to a zoo and you come out. And you're like, just feel like the animals just <laughs> did not have a good deal. In there. Like <laughs> That's they what they my, did not deserve that. My brother was saying it the yeah. whole time he came. Like That's he when can't. you're an adult,
0: but yeah, everybody <laughs> in the zoo was wearing their face masks. And like my son's younger than two years old for some reason he doesn't have to wear a face mask, and he's, he's like he there smiling. Can you wear one? No, he would rip it right off. Yeah. But. He, uh, he's like smiling at everybody. And he's just like like part of his, one of the most formative years of his life, literally from a biological uh-huh. chemistry perspective. Like he's just being fed these images of people with masks.
2: No one's like, smiling back. Yeah. And
0: it's it's like, no. I think about that a lot. I don't know how it's affecting him. I can't have him describe it to me, but
3: um, I think about it a lot. I worry about that with my niece and nephew. I can see the effect on them on video chat, having them away from their friends and not being able to interact with them at school every day. They are totally done with quarantine. It's sad that we fell into these camps of, you know, it's either complete lockdown and masks and stay away from me and all that, or it's the complete opposite direction. I wish we could have spent some time thinking about the different risk levels that different groups would be willing to space and the different exceptions we might be willing willing to make. I'm sure there are some cases that uh, should be treated very drastically or some locations. We're
0: seeing this just in different parts of the country.
3: Yeah.
2: What what the fuck? Like, there was literally... It's it's basically a meme. There was no middle ground. We went from masks don't work, no one should wear masks, to everyone needs to absolutely wear masks. Like, it was like the biggest meme ever. And that happened within three weeks and now people pretend... The do you will not be allowed to wear masks and you should not wear masks. Period yeah. didn't exist. Right. They pretend that just didn't fucking exist. And like I think back and all we the were time, contrarians in the beginning. Yeah, every age like I go back every age group that I've been in, and I feel like it would have fucked me up more than my current age group. So I'm very grateful that like the the age group I made it to, I feel is the least fucked up of all my previous ages. But you go through the list. You know, you're a formative 8-year-old, you're a formative 14-year-old, you're a formative 19-year-old, you're a formative 23-year-old. All these ages, I'm like, fuck, that would have fucked me up so much. Right?
3: Yeah.
0: And it's, I I think about my niece and nephew, too, are a few years older than my son, but they pandemic forced them to move out of their home into another city, and now they're in a new town starting at new schools and trying to do this process, like having to wear a mask all day. It's like... Fuck, man! What are we doing? Are we? Are people even thinking about like the psychological reproductions? Yeah, no. Re- reproduction, <laughs> repercussions, repercussions. repercussions. I, ever, was,
3: I was I was talking to a friend of mine about this, and I realized there's an entire generation of Americans that have grown up between, lol, there aren't actually any weapons of mass destruction, <laughs> and lol, masks actually work. <laughs> right. How do you, how do you relate to the state and to? authority figures when you've been treated that way for your entire life how do you trust anyone
1: right it's I I think
0: especially us like our age I think about my age particularly no I think I'm the youngest in the room 10 during 9-11 17 during the financial crisis wow a new father during this thing it's like what the f- like every time you like hit a pivotal right like transition hey, like, Mark, into- can
2: you just stagnate so the world could be okay <laughs> right?
3: stop going through rites of passage for god's there, sakes there's
0: six. many more out there like <laughs> i just fit a particular archetype and it's uh yeah no it feels like at these very formative years like when you're 10 like i feel like you're like developing a little bit autonomy from your parents yeah. P- point I imagine where your parents are like, oh, you don't want to hang out with me anymore. You're like, no, I want to go outside. Seventeen, like about to go to college, like take over the world, quote unquote. And that shit happens. You're like, mm-hmm. how how could it be this bad? What world am I going into? And you have a child, who brings somebody else into this world, and you're like, all this is going down. And you're like, what the fuck am I gonna like? What is this kid getting into? And it's like, holy shit.
2: Hey. There's a guy that's ten years older than you that that's that just started happening to him at 20 right yeah Yeah. god
0: life man do you think this is a a moment where we i don't want to say revolt i don't want to be too bombastic here but people start to distance themselves from the expert class if you will
3: i think that's been happening for a while i'm a big fan of uh have you guys read martin Gurry's uh revolt of the public I have not. It's, okay, I'm not going to do an hour-long thing on him. Which I'm going to save all the freaks at home. I promise, guys. We're still working on that first glass of bourbon. Don't worry, you're still safe for now. Um, <laughs> his, his whole thesis is that the new wave of uh, information technology software and uh, internet-enabled telecommunication software, chat apps and social media and all that have diffused our notion of what authority is. We no longer we are no longer controlled by our central bureaucracy, by mainstream media, by gatekeepers of any sort, but we also don't have the ability to get rid of them. So, we're in that weird stage where the old way cannot exist and the new cannot be born. We're sort of fighting against we know that the la- the old way of doing things cannot persist any further, but what is going to replace it?
0: A lot of parallels to the Luddites, right?
3: Hmm. I mean but
0: is that true right now like what where are we in that transitionary period like i feel like the the incumbents have a bit of a an advantage here at least this year like the mainstream media expert class is obviously uh ex- like exerted power over the others
3: oh absolutely um i think oh god i don't want to say something so banal as power begets power but Let's look at the history of the internet, because that's sort of my shtick. And <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about, we'll see if we can draw some lessons from there. Uh, so in the beginning in the of the World Wide Web, in like the mid-90s, uh, the only people that were into the web and building websites were, you know, freaks. Uh, true believers in the internet, totally out there. The next generation cyberpunk guys who were, had insane visions of the future that no one really bought into and that's how it starts that's how it has to start the dreamers and the revolutionaries slowly what surely is the internet gains traction as more users log on as they find it compelling as they start to find things that they like and enjoy about this then you find dreamers in established organizations places like the new york times and the wall street journal pushing internally and saying hey we should get a website this internet thing is catching on that process keeps going and going and going, and eventually, okay, we're now in 2020. The media landscape that my parents understood and my grandparents understood, where you know Walter Cronkite is laying down the uh, the established uh, Washington consensus viewpoint of how the war is going to play out and all that, that's gone. There is no Walter Cronkite for our generation. There is no single. A voice from above, and we'll say that's I the way it is.
2: TV news, like does yeah. anyone even people watch still TV watch it. news? Do people in the Philadelphia area people start? I literally TV have news. not watched dun, more than dun, ten dun, minutes dun, total dun, 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 in dun, dun, the whole dun, dun, fucking dun, 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 year.
3: Oh man, the action, <laughs> the action news theme song. Wow, that is some Philly stuff right there. Dun, dun,
2: dun, dun. people Like I'm just, I'm sorry for putting the action news. Uh, <laughs> no, it's fine. I appreciate that. That's it's, bum, bum, obviously bum, bum, they have catchy marketing. <laughs> no, no, well, that's why I think like people.
3: It's burned into our heads, yeah. yeah.
2: Yeah, no, I. The only time I ever see TV news is through clips on online, mm. like me, yeah, me not well. shared from their professional outlets. Or I don't whatever, remember just last like time. Random. I don't remember last tweets or whatever. I, I had a cable. Uh, I don't remember last time I had cable, like outside of an app.
3: My parents do, and they're in their seventies. For what it's worth, so that's about the age and group. Like
2: you sign in through their account.
3: Yeah. Right. And there is so it like, doesn't really count. So I guess that's pretty illustrative. There's a generational gap there. Different generations adopt these technologies and transition away from uh, them at different times. So I guess for some people, like in their 20s and 30s, the idea of watching television and having like the nightly news tell you how the way it is, that's just gone. My so, parents. It's already over, right? Yeah, but my parents have had that reality for 50 years. I think they still want to believe it exists, but there's no person to fill that role for them. You know, as we talk it over, I'm thinking... I'm Thinking, what we're describing is a shift from a unipolar media landscape to a multipolar media landscape. And in that shift, yeah. I guess the mainstream institutions that used to hold power, like the Wall Street Journal, the New York Times, and Newsweek, and all of them, they'll probably still continue to exist. They'll just be part. They'll be part of that Their multipolar. Option. Yeah, exactly. But they,
2: they try and make everything super loud because that's when it bubbles over and they get a shit ton of press. Yeah, right. It's like they they they, they try and harness the. They try and harness the... And
0: make sure you're phenomena. holding these mics close I can hear. Thank God I'm wearing
3: these headphones. So on the one hand, maybe that's better because now you have freedom Thank of choice. God. You have the ability to pick and choose who you want to follow and who you want to believe and who you want to place your faith in. On the other hand, it's a mar- sort of a market for lemons, so the loudest and the scariest voices will tend to dominate. I don't know that there's anything good. Well,
0: that's what, that, that's what like, I was going to say. like, Does the modern-day media landscape demand more effort? And what you just mentioned is like, hey, maybe it doesn't, maybe because it doesn't take a lot of effort to recognize the loudest
3: voice. More effort from the consumers. Yes. The, oh goodness, yes, it does. Because you have to ask yourself the simple question that nobody, we never ask ourselves ever about anything that we do. What am I getting out of this? Why do you watch the news? Do you want to be informed or do you want to be entertained, or do you just do it out of habit? Do you just wake up and log on and start doom scrolling because that's what you do? Yeah,
2: I. I like doom scrolling. I doom term, scroll a lot. Uh,
3: yeah, I wish I could say I was better than that, but I'm not. I'm a doom for scroller. Most,
2: I mean, for most people, doom scrolling is good for business. If you're in the intention economy,
0: are we in the intention economy, Matthew? I try
2: not to be, Marty. I think we're not for the most part, but we we do we do kind of blend into it a little bit. I think you guys we, are definitely I influencers. Think do, I think oh, the differences. I think the differences, and the key that. That as someone who has, you know, a sh- we have a show, the weekly show, you know, we're in the media landscape or whatnot. Like, how do you deal with this kind of situation? And I think you have to ask yourself, like, every time you release content, like, is this content worth people's time? Right. And I go back to, like, Messier's episodes, uh, our boy Messier, and, like, time is money. And it's it's our, it's our ultimate scarce asset that we've ever had, right? Like that like every single person has this fucking timer, and that's what we have. That's the amount of time we have. It's super scarce. There's nothing more scarce than it. So the 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 goal should not be, to load people with as much bullshit as fucking possible. It should be to load them with like very quality content. And it goes back down to trash per capita. Basically <laughs> is that is like, you trash really want minute. Yeah. You want to reduce the trash per capita, you know, a, a, as far as what the content is. No, I agree.
0: I like that. Yeah. You sort of
2: feel bad when you, we always do a
0: uh, post post rip, uh, like how we feel mm-hmm. about, about the particular rip. Um, Cause you do feel bad when you put something out there and it's like, yeah, you don't waste value? people's time. No, that's one thing. Like, especially like picking interviews. And I, I know sometimes I'm not perfect. I'm not, I wouldn't try to describe myself as perfect, but I do try to screen very particularly to make sure people are getting value. Like, I do get caught up in the, the Bitcoin podcast rodeo show it's circuit circuit. And there you go.
3: There are so many of us and we all have so much to say. It's kind of incredible.
0: Right. Um, no, that's, like, another thing, like, with all in the Bitcoin podcast space, too. I mean, we talked about it the other week. There's, like, a ton more content coming out. It's, like, how do you differentiate yourself?
2: Yeah. You don't want to waste people's time. We don't need repetitive content.
0: No, exactly. Try yeah. to stay away from it. Look out for my episode of Peebers on Friday. <laughs>
2: No, up. dude, this is well, this is gonna be a delayed episode. It's gonna be the twenty third. Bitcoin yeah. we're gonna be past twenty thousand new all time highs. Minuchin came out, he fucking basically banned self custody. Oh man, I'm like, gonna crazy, the wood crazy leaks. shit's going on right now, and we're just all acting like it's no big deal because we recorded <laughs> it on the fucking fifteenth and it's the twenty third right
3: now. Oh, dude, leaking alpha.
0: Leaking too much alpha over there.
2: No, but this is this is why I would
0: I drove up here and would fly across the country and anywhere around the world because being able to sit down and speak with you particularly is like something that at least up to this point, not many people have had uh, the opportunity to do so. And I value your insight and have learned a lot from you over the years. And the the fact that you would invite us into your house, cook us steaks. Oh, of
3: course. Thank you. And the feeling is mutual. I'm always, like I mentioned when you came, I'm a bit surprised that I'm going to say it's two or three people are really into listening to me and my friends drink bourbon if you're out there, I hope it's entertaining. Happy holidays. I mean, and I hope you at least have time off of work or if you're listening to this at work, that it's taking your mind off of what you're doing.
0: Yeah, I hope your um, your airing of the grievances tonight is okay.
3: Yeah. I'm gonna be completely honest. Matt's girl uh, made me cookies, and he was kind enough to bring them. And I've been trying to sneak one this entire time, <laughs> this, but very good. Marty's been eyeing me up, and he's giving me a look like, "Don't, you're, don't go for it, bro."
0: No, no, like we quirk pop on this, but we need to hear like a cookie crunch if you're. Oh god, it. It just make sure content. You need to get a little, get a little mic action on that.
3: Uh. Ooh, you know what we should talk about? I heard about this cool thing. I think it's a, a gigantic American mining is it gorgeous american mining that's what's it called greek american mining greek american, greek american mining. mining. i love baklava yeah. dude that's my <laughs> favorite <laughs> oh spanakopita the little spinach pies hell yes we uh we make our own olives <laughs> <laughs> um great american mining what should we talk about uh why don't you rip on it man tell me what your goals are your hopes and your dreams hopes and our dreams like
0: uh we want to be able like, let's just be running a business. We want to be able to mine Bitcoin as cheaply as possible and as profitably as possible. So number one goal is to do that. Uh, in the process, we, we may be able to help decentralize the production of hash rate geographically, which would bode well for the Bitcoin network, which I, which I value so much. And uh, we believe it's a necessary facet of Bitcoin success.
3: It's um, just a screenshot
0: in the long run. Uh, so this network is going to succeed and more importantly be robust against state attacks distribution of hash rate geographically um, is important and then thirdly uh, just by a byproduct of what we're doing two first goals uh, the opportunity to do so just also presents an opportunity to help the oil and gas industry solve a huge problem that they have which is their their waste gas situation their nuisance gas situation which is only getting worse. Uh, the regulations are only getting stricter. Probably only going to have to produce more oil as we strive to be more energy independent and secure. Um, so the is problem it isn't going away, and just uh, pure incentives of our goals as a company uh, and natural market incentives that help solve that problem. It's a perfect alignment, and so we want to mine Bitcoin profitably, help the Bitcoin network, and help the oil and gas industry.
2: Boil the oceans
0: No we're going to take us a type one <laughs> Obviously like main goal 50 years Get us uh, A material amount Closer to a type one Civilization On a car to
2: set Scale So what is uh, that
0: Where you're you know, Where you're Harnessing As much Potential energy On the planet That you possibly
2: A type can. one Is one the best No One's the start
0: One's the planet Two's the solar system Three's the galaxy
2: So type three is where we're going?
0: According to Drew Bonsall. yes. Oh, this is Drews. This is Drews. Yeah.
3: That is no small goal. No. You got to start somewhere. Yeah, it's very cool. Uh, What I find most interesting about it is I think, well, I won't say accidentally, but you seem to have stumbled upon what I would think is probably the future long-term direction of the energy source of the Bitcoin network. uh, Stranded energy, but that's not quite the best way to put it. Energy that would otherwise go to waste. We got to find a better way. Somebody, whoever came up with the self-hosted wallets uh, jargon, that guy was a marketer. I got to hire that guy.
2: Mistreated energy.
3: Yeah, that's a good one. Sure. Like,
2: I feel so no, I po- think... bad for the energy. It was poorly <laughs> treated. And so Bitcoin found it.
0: We say wasted, stranded, and undervalued. Yeah.
2: Undervalued is good.
0: So there's three. So you can you can. So you one is not so wasted. Gas is both undervalued and stranded uh or stranded is wasted and undervalued uh wasted which is we would say flare it's um is wasted and undervalued and undervalued is gas that's being sent to the grid where they could get right. more money per mcfd if they used that gas to mine
3: bitcoin so right exactly that's the that's our current location right now for hydrocarbons um for background marty knows this i'm going to just elucidate it for the the freaks uh Right now, if you wanted to, if suddenly a new uh, gas and oil field got discovered, let's say, on an out just outside of my house right now, and let's say the, the price is right, you could pretty well figure out, based on the location, the uh, geographic, uh, geological uh, characteristics of the location, the supply chain that was there, what region was in, you could pretty much figure out pretty precisely what the cost of extraction for that oil in my backyard would be. Um, and you, you could pretty much start to roll out a business plan relatively quickly on how you're going to go to market and get this gas from point uh, oil from point A to point B. You can't do that for gas, and I'll tell you why. There's more gas, literally, than we know what to do with. The problem with gas is not getting gas. The problem with oil is getting oil out of the ground and finding the right places to get it out of the ground. The problem with gas is getting it to the end user. It's the delivery portion of it. It's the whole, how do you get... This waste gas that is just being flared off into LNG that can actually be used somewhere—it's a tremendously difficult delivery problem.
0: It's capital-intensive too. Yeah, especially when you consider the price for gas right now, which has been collapsing over the last six years. Yep.
3: Yeah. And, uh, and what Great American Mining has stumbled on is realizing, okay, wait, what if we don't? What if the user is right here? What if we don't have to get it to some uh, LNG depot? What if we can just set up our mining rigs right here? All you need is a satellite connection, I assume, to be able to talk to the network.
0: Yeah, yeah, and so that's what we say, bring the market to the molecule. And the one thing, actually, compared to other uh, compute-heavy services that could potentially consume this stranded gas, we need relatively low bandwidth to send hashes to mining pools. Yeah. So even Bitcoin miners actually afford even another advantage there where if the bandwidth's not really good in the remote area where you're consuming the gas... It's okay for the Bitcoin network because it doesn't take that much bandwidth to send a hash to a pool. But if you're doing like an Amazon web server, it's a completely different story.
2: You use like the shittiest fucking cell connection ever, Yeah, we yeah. have yeah, used cell connection. That, I mean, that's parts. what you use, yeah.
0: Yeah, well, we have we have satellite internet, um, some opportunities present fiber. We're actually paying very close attention to Starlink. Um,
3: yeah, I thought you would be.
0: Yeah, because um, that would help
2: immensely. The Dogecoin maximalist, <laughs> Mr. <laughs> <No>. Musk. <laughs>
3: It strikes me that stranded gas is just the start. What you've stumbled upon is, okay, there's some energy that is appropriate to get to the end consumer, and there's some energy that we're all better off, let's say, to have just stay in its place and let's mine right at the source. And that's not just stranded gas. That could be, oh God, it could be methane hydride stored in uh, ice deposits in the ocean. It could be hydroelectric in the middle of the Atlantic that you would never be able to connect a grid to, but maybe you could set up a floating terminal. It's everywhere. This is like Theodore's Law for Energy that I think you've stumbled upon. We're going to drive out all the energy that actually makes sense for people to use, and then this energy makes sense for Bitcoin to use.
2: And, and then other energy is cheaper, right, as a result.
3: Yeah, I mean, that's the hope. The hope is that we this new equilibrium gets established and we're getting the most effective, for whatever the word is, effective, uh, effective means.
0: Basically, the end goal is an energy stable coin across the world, yeah. where the price of energy is...
2: Bitcoin St- sats.
0: Well, yes, sats will get us that way, but like the price of accessing and utilizing energy will be the same for every human on Earth once you finally in, get to that type in one And sats. sats, yes. So
2: like sats would be the energy sats, token. Per, ki- sats per kilowatt hour. Saturdays, sats are basically just a like a massive energy token.
0: Yes, well, I mean it, it, that, right. we have this in a presentation. Never give it to the oil and gas industry. We get heady with it. We say you guys are going to be the central banks of the world, and you're actually providing or you're sitting on the opportunity to implement a monetary system that has been thought out throughout history, but has never been able to be successfully implemented until Bitcoin, particularly with a proof of work consensus mechanism that allows people that are geographically um, dispersed and more importantly, from a time perspective in different like latencies of data travel to coordinate in a, a sequential fashion where like Henry Ford predicted a currency backed by energy. Mm -hmm. Buckminster Fuller predicted an energy backed by currency. They had the idea. It was just never able to be implemented until you had Bitcoin with a proof-of-work consensus mechanism.
3: Now it's effectively... This is misusing terminology, but it's effectively a virtual energy grid. All of us are making decisions where to allocate energy based on whether should we give it to the end user, should we just mine it, should we hang on to ourselves? We're not even there
2: yet, but that's where we will get... But that's what I'm saying. I think the ultimate measurement of the energy is how many Sats it produces. Yes, like I, Sats is just stored energy. Well, right now f- we're not even we're not even energy. there yet.
0: Yes, the end goal we will be there, but right now, real companies are like, how much fucking USD can I extract out of this? Like, can I sell more than the Hub price? Yeah, okay, I mean, we're...
2: well, they're short Bitcoin and they're going to regret that. We need we need the chewing sounds. He's, <laughs> he's, <laughs> it's
3: a very good cookie, <laughs> you know. Thank you, Matt's girl. I'm just going to leave it at that. She's going to love it. She put all this effort into these cookies. I had a bite. (laughs) And just in my moment of weakness, I got caught on the podcast. (laughs) Super. But
0: It's, I mean, obviously, disclaimer connected with great american mining
2: wait really um, holy shit wow i'm glad i'm um, thank god you disclosed that marty because that was really <laughs> that's some sheisty shit that he was just talking about all that stuff i didn't even know i didn't even know he's been working with them
3: shocked and appalled i am shocked and appalled <laughs> it does blow my mind though it's like holy shit and once you
0: see it too like once you see the containers in the field and you can you see the material visualization of a flare stack being reduced to nothing you should go and
2: have you gone to like the fields in like wyoming and shit not yet we've um you should like make a trip you should just start going with storms and just uh he's gonna be there next week it's like just a good excuse to like meet up with him just like just, let's go do an exploratory he, run we're lucky to have that dude I fucking love storms you know um i'm gonna get out
0: there just gotta time it right
3: that's what you gotta do Whenever I think about that, I visualize, uh, and, and I know this must exist. There is definitely a whole group of no coiners who are really, really upset that you're doing this, and would love for that gas to be flared into the environment because that's better, right? Question mark.
2: Right. Well, that's. Well, no, they probably at this point now they want like once you hate Bitcoin enough, you just end up. It should be. They're going to start cheering on the Green New Deal. No, they get they, rid of. They the should use fields. it for Litecoin. <laughs> no, that, they're just like we should. They should just use it for Litecoin. We right.
3: talked. We talked about this on the last podcast. How the original crowd of uh, internet naysayers, the Luddites, who were commenting on it in the late '90s, once the internet took off, they had to like switch tax from the internet is generally bad to oh Zuckerberg is bad, oh the Boeing 737 Max is bad. You have to start picking your spots. Yeah. So is gonna switch from Bitcoin is bad to McAfee is bad pretty quickly. You have to start targeting like individual well, McAfee is. Yeah. And Nouriel's already started pivoting.
0: Has not he conceded that it's an okay story value? <laughs> You're blocked. I haven't gotten blocked yet.
2: I, he blocks like no, not very few people. I feel like, but I'm one of them. I you, don't remember what I said to him. Where did you touch Noriel? I was probably mean. I was probably pretty <laughs> mean. But he probably deserved it. I was just trying to help. You him. He definitely deserved it. Um, yeah.
0: But it. it I mean, the opportunity again. You mentioned the amount of natural gas that exists. Yeah. I think in here, Small like the United gas. States, I should know this stat better, but like, I believe like we're maybe in the top five. Um, like places but, like like Kazakhstan and Turkmenistan have a shit ton of, of natural gas. Yep. Um, and but at the like if we were to consume like it's literally impossible to consume to cap and consume all the waste gas that exists in North America to mine Bitcoin. Like, I don't think there's enough hardware on earth to make it, it was make my, it happen.
2: It was always one of my favorite little niches. It's like this just idea that the, the synthetic battery idea, Well, like yeah. I understand, like the, the metaphor has its own flaws, but still like that. It, it's a pretty powerful concept, like this idea, because once if you connect it to batteries, anyone who knows batteries, it's just a horribly inefficient process. Like batteries, you're losing 70% of the fucking power just to store it. And then all of a sudden you have something like Bitcoin come in. Even with volatility, you're storing 80%, 90%. Well, that's the thing. Like It goes up in storage value. What?
0: Yeah. And that energy that's basically depreciating, I don't know if that's the right word, um, as you're trying to store it and not u- using it, it's like, all right, you can use that energy because you can basically guarantee that it's going to be wasted if not and turn it into money. Yeah.
3: Not only money. This is from just a couple months ago. Uh, I'm throwing up. A, I'm throwing up a tweet on my big screen for Marty and Matt to read. Uh, it's from a Iraqi political analyst who I'm gonna save the effort of toxing. His tweet is: Iraq's gross natural gas production is 724 billion cubic feet. Iraq only consumes 23 billion cubic feet. 424 billion cubic feet is vented and flared due to poor infrastructure. The value of that fair glass is about $70 billion, and the environmental damage is 180 million tons of CO2 produced annually. How can you not want to capture that and put it to better use? You have to be dumb. Yeah, and that's just one country. That's one place in the world. Kazakhstan, Kyrgyzstan, Iran, Saudi Arabia. There's plenty of gas to go around. Yeah.
0: Matt, you got to close the door next time you go pee, or we're getting picked up on the mic here.
3: Oh, man. There are two doors between us and him. How did that happen? (laughs) This part's getting edited out. We just went NC17. Yeah, I mean, we didn't a, mean to. It's okay.
0: Um, no, but like how. And that's where. So I got into this discussion last night with Pete Rizzo um, for, uh, doing guest posts on Bitcoin Magazine at Kraken. And we actually ended on like a pretty like negative note where we were like, prepare to die for Bitcoin. Like, are you willing to die for Bitcoin? Like, if it has to, like, it's not going to be an easy fight. But then you look at. being close to something like this where like the economics and the financial incentive to cooperate is so obvious where it's like, I don't know, like this, like this would make me very optimistic.
3: Oh yeah. There's plenty of energy to go around. There's no, the whole energy argument around Bitcoin taps into a deep seated emotional feeling that people have. It's sort of the, if you remember for those of you who around for the great block size battle, you know, a disturbing amount of that battle boiled down to the difference between how people felt about the number one versus the number two. <laughs> a lot of the talk that we uh, have with Bitcoiners and no coiners about Bitcoin's energy uses doesn't come down to Bitcoin's actual energy usage. It's that feeling you get when you see like, you know, a combustion engine belting out smog and smoke and the versus contrasting, you know, take a look out in my backyard and the oh god, am I gonna dox myself again? The verdant green trees, it's December all the same, but still, you know, it's the conflict between nature and technology. That's what people are referring to when they talk about Bitcoin's energy usage. They see these useless cyber coins that people are gambling on and quote-unquote getting rich off of, and they want to hate it for a reason, and the easiest way you can tap into those feelings is that that natural uh, disdain for technology and it's, energy usage and pollution. It's so hypocritical, though, because they'll <laughs> embass they'll it from an iPhone. It's like...
0: Yeah, yeah. Oh, we're doing this? We got water. Cheers. Got to mix in waters here. Thank you, sir. Um, Matt has decided we need water. Thank you. I'm not sure.
2: I had a pee, so also I figured water was good. Well,
0: I think you're getting to a good point here, too, and a good topic is like why, like, energy, Bitcoin consumes a lot of energy, yes, but like, so does the product. Like, people don't think about the energy that goes into their everyday. Goods, and why do they care about Bitcoin and not other things uh, no. that they use every day? Like why do they not recognize they're being hypocrites? It's probably the most succinct way to put it
3: and I, Do you think
0: it's like get rich envy like uh, up or Go up envy
3: I think part of it is that we are completely unable to come to terms with How much we benefit from the industrial revolution and the combustion engine and how dependent we are on Energy in general we want to believe that we can live without it and that it's just this extraneous thing that it's a complete pipe dream Yeah
2: But why would we want to? It's dope. Apparently, uh,
0: because that's the thing. Like (laughs) the Greta's of the world. (laughs) I mean, the climate. I'm gonna say alarmist. Alarmist. I've I've been saying this for two years now. We need to we need to have a big interview, sit down with Greta when she's thirty. She's a she's a big twenty eight.
2: She's a freak. Rumors, she's a freak.
0: All right, good, Greta, if you're listening. Love that you're into Bitcoin, but we're going to talk about the climate. <laughs> like, what's going to happen? Like, this is, whole like marketing for this is being led by teenagers, who obviously, or not all teenagers, but a teenager is the forefront of this.
2: Is she a teenager yet?
0: Pretty sure she's like eighteen now. To Greta, I don't know. Yeah, oh, I thought she
2: was like twelve.
0: No, I think she, I think she was like sixteen when she started this. Oh. The point I'm trying to make is, two years ago, she said twelve years, everything's going to be underwater. What happens when you're 28? we say, all right, everything's
2: not underwater. Oh, there's a middle ground, right? Yeah. but
3: It's interesting because there's very little, this is a narrative that we're talking about here, competing narratives, not actual facts behind them. The one narrative is, you know, the world is going to hell. The people who were in charge of it before me have wasted all of our natural resources. It is up to us to wrest it from their hands and go back to a greener, cleaner, brighter future.
0: And was it ever greener?
2: No, I mean the real narrative is that people people continue to do better every every generation, right? And we could have done better, but we've done pretty decent.
3: Yeah, but doom porn doesn't sell, man. Yeah. I mean,
2: no one's like doom porn doesn't sell. Or sorry, get- optimist <laughs> girl.
3: Doom porn is what sells. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I might have finished that first bourbon. Um, yeah, you're right. The The thing is, if you tell people, hey, everything is great and you don't really have anything to worry about, take a deep breath and... Well, that's shit corner. Yeah.
2: You can't say, like, everything's great. I'm not saying that everything is, like, great and dandy and no trade-offs. I'm just saying, like, where there's a middle ground where we've done good, but we could have done better, but we could have done a lot worse, right? And we're just... Could we have done a lot worse, though? Yeah, I think I think you know we, we. I mean, we're we're humans. We could always just nuclear wasteland everything, right? We could just yes, that's true. Fucking destroy the whole fucking planet. That's true. We could do a lot worse.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. We were talking about yeah, middle grounds, middle grounds,
3: middle grounds. I think there's a middle ground between you know the world is ending and climate extinction versus well, we can just use as much energy as we want whenever we want, however we want, yeah, I think we'll look back at this time. The things I think of if you i mean look, I live in New York City, I want to breathe clean air, I am not against uh having a clean livable environment, but when I think about the ways I would fix that, the last thing I think of is let's move to renewable fuels and let's shut down Bitcoin and let's do this, that and the other. What I think of is what I think our children are going to look back on uh, at this time for first, they're going to ask us why on earth we took an invention as magical as the combustion engine and used it to transport people back and forth, ungodly distances to the same building one by one in cars to go to jobs that they didn't want, that didn't really produce anything only to go back at the end of the day over and over again yeah. when they could have just phoned it in on a zoom call.
0: Right. <laughs> that like that, that's one of the most powerful visualizations ever is uh, where you have like the street, the amount of people in it, if they would be in singular cars, buses, or taxis or something like that. It's like, holy shit. Like the amount of space taken up per person. It
2: doesn't seem safe either. It's just like everything logistically doesn't make sense. Well, it's
0: literally like one of the most dangerous things you could do.
2: Logistically, yeah. Logistically, (laughs) it's like, oh, let's just have like millions of people drive these one-ton vehicles like around.
3: Um, What I really want is an increase in the right to repair. Sorry to interrupt, man. No, no, I agree with the right to repair. To the right to repair electronics, I think about that a lot because
2: vehicles too. You see that in vehicles. Yeah, absolutely. Ton.
3: Because right now we've built a culture where it makes sense to when any one thing in this room breaks, look around at all the different electronics and whatnot. It's all done. Yeah, you one gotta of the, just buy a new one. Yeah, so I have to throw it in the trash, which no means, one's fixing that laptop. Yeah, so I have the choice in between taking this laptop down to a corner shop and, and having someone buy a look a at new it. One. So buying a new one means okay, it has to come over here on a freight. And it has to be shipped here on a car, Another on a mara. truck. And then someone else has to go to the factory to actually put together. Actually, several workers have to go together. It's this entire chain of just burning more and more energy just to get me a new laptop instead of conserving it and trying to fix the existing one that we have. But since everyone makes more money with me getting a new laptop, everyone is incentivized to, I say, quote-unquote, everyone. I'm part of it. I mean, it's easier on me, even. We're all incentivized to just burn a little bit more energy, getting the new thing instead of repairing what we have, instead of hanging on to things that we use. I think that's a much more interesting conversation than stop using energy. But hang on to the, conserve the energy that you already used.
1: Well, I want to
0: feel so guilty, right? Because like you mentioned when you started that, like we're not even given the opportunity to do so, really. Like planned obsolescence is a real thing. Like if you want to hold on to an iPhone for 10 years, some people could definitely do it, but like, they're going to deprecate the software, the it
3: iOS. as
2: difficult as possible for you. Yeah,
3: yeah. Don't they make it slower as well? Like yeah. with each update. I, mean, I,
2: I mean, I would say more important, from at least from my point of view, is that they stopped the security updates after three years. Wow. So, like, I mean, I don't care how your battery works. Like, what you're just. Not only did you already submit to the cuck of Apple, like I, you, you're allowed to access everything that I own, but you also submit to. No security updates going forward. Anytime there's any kind of vulnerability. I didn't know that. It's a very good cookie.
0: They have a three-year like, security plan? It's also. something like
2: that. I mean, I, I know Google's is two years, so I gave Apple an extra year to give them some credit. I don't know. Do you know what Apple's fucking security update
3: uh, life You know, my mom's devices are still getting frequent updates, but I think its end of support is two years. I think that.
2: I mean, that's what Google does, is too. So I gave Apple an extra year. Yeah. I just out of my ass, had no idea what fucking Apple did, to be honest. But, (laughs) but there's no way that they do not give. There's an end of life for every single device. There's an end of life. There's always an end of life. Yeah. They're not giving iPhone whatever sevens or whatever. I don't even know. And you hear stories about like.
0: People have had, like, refrigerators since the 50s that just finally died. Yeah. And yeah, that doesn't happen anymore. Day,
2: fridges back in the day could protect you from a nuke. The new fridges, doubt it, right? I D-
0: would not feel safe in my fridge if a nuke hit.
2: Yeah. But back in the day, the 50s fridges, they were solid as a rock. Right. They would protect you.
0: All those appliances. That Sears Robux <laughs> uh, time. The Sears Robux magazine was filled with good, durable goods.
2: They're good. Aren't the goodies good?
0: And then I guess you have to like play steel man devil's advocate here. Like are durable goods scalable for a population that's growing at the
3: pace that ours is. Oh goodness. Oh God. Hmm. Define global goods. I mean, goods
0: accessible to middle class.
3: The way that we're building them. I'm not sure in general. Yes. I have faith in human ingenuity in general. I'm not, sure whether the way our current well, this is a random question I didn't expect me answering. I don't know whether our electronic supply chain as it is configured right now is scalable even to handle humanity's current needs much less our future needs. It's insane for example well actually you let's pull out a great Bitcoin example. So you're interested in mining with this gorgeous American mining stuff? Is that the the, the stuff?
2: Gorgeous thing? American mining is fantastic.
3: <laughs> I'm going to call it that from now on. I
2: uh, hope you on the domain.
3: Todd, we're going to have to change the name. Uh, <laughs> wouldn't it be great if you could get some
0: more ASICs? Yeah. Is the, well, believe me, this this plays into our thesis. Yeah. Right? So you get... And then we think about this a lot, right? Because we, we have to get our miners... Uh, they're basically at the source. They're coming from China. What's minor? MicroBT creates an incredible, incredible ASIC, uh, an incredible business, really helping out the Bitcoin network, providing competition to an incumbent in Bitmain that was sorely needed.
2: They're ex-Bitmain guys, right?
0: Yeah. Um, yeah, Dr. Yang designed the, the S&I. Um, Ooh. And that's, that's why we go with MicroBT. We think he's the brains behind the actual um quality of the product and the design of, of the chips. But even though for how much we love MicroBT and respect them as a business, like if you're thinking about supply chain risk, like, yeah, all the chips are made over in East Asia, South Korea, Taiwan, I believe Malaysia and China are the, the four main fabs. And then you look here, it's like, all right, we're not making any of that shit. Like, is that smart? Like, should we be making, we're all utilizing I think there's literally, it's like, five computer devices in this little, yeah, ten by ten sp- yeah. spot. Like, not making any of this here, and so we think Bitcoin again fixes this, provides the incentive, especially if you get the energy sector hooked into it's... mining and doing a large capital outlay on mining it for sure. they look at that. Like, hey, uh, is this all this capital and this hardware that we've invested in? Uh, We're pretty dependent on sourcing it from one spot. Should we lobby to either have those type of facilities that can build this hardware, uh, move to North America, or should we invest it in ourselves? It creates an incentive to disrupt that supply chain centralization.
3: Exactly. So there's two ways of looking at it right now. You could look at it one way and say, well, the current existing ASIC supply chain is woefully under capacity because you can't get as many ASICs as you want. But on the other hand, that's what prices are for. Prices communicate information. The prices of the ASIC mining rigs go up in relation to the demand for them. So there might not be enough for uh, to satisfy your need, but there's enough to satisfy the aggregate market need. Everyone's No one has said, oh, that price is too high for ASICs. I won't pay it anymore.
0: Not yet, but... And that's like, that's what I'm interested to see with this particular, if we are going into a bull market and if these cycles repeat the way they have like boom bust, uh, as aggressive as Bitcoin price has to this date, like, again, it comes to the, the demand for actually more importantly, the supply of ASICs comes down to the demand on the foundry floor where the chips are produced, uh, and that demand, uh, the supply on the foundry floor uh is is driven by price like, mm-hmm. like you just alluded to like if Bitcoin's valuable enough and the chip manufacturers are willing to pay enough to get space on the foundry floor to have their chips produced that will lead to more asics right now coming out of a bear market that that price is like we're finding there's some constriction um, at the minor supply in the minor supply market that's being driven by not having enough foundry space right now Right. So it's a weird cyclical thing. Like, So the point I'm trying to get to, is there a point in the next decade, two decades, where instead of, or maybe alongside of Apple chips being a priority on the foundry floor, uh, ASIC, Bitcoin miner specific chips have um, preference as well. Right now, they definitely don't.
2: They'll probably have the most preference. Uh, we would hope. That yeah. would be my goal. Yeah, that'd be my expectation, not my I goal. Mean, I could give two shits. It doesn't really matter to me. Yeah, but I think that's you don't. Do you think that's likely?
3: I don't. I was about to ask a question. I'm okay. I any more, I need more information? Do you yeah. see this happening with existing foundries making more room, uh, or do you see new foundries popping up to satisfy the need?
0: Combination of both. Yeah, I mean, we saw it earlier this year. Love or hate the Trump administration, they've uh. They've started investing and land will be broken in Arizona Q1 2021 to begin building a foundry with um, TSMC, which is the Taiwan
3: Semiconductor TSCM. Any um, and idea what nanometer fab? Five NM? Five, is, that's five what is
0: what they'll be producing, but that's like.
3: But it's the hand five, yeah, yeah. Got it. Yeah.
2: But so, I mean, my thought process is that bitcoin is like a a consistent it's like a consistent demand driver so obviously it's going to become the most valuable of the of all the different chip lines like why would like you can't guess how many people are going to buy a new cell phone or how many people will care about fucking gaming on their computer and need a gpu but you know like bitcoin hash rate is going to go up this much you know difficulty is going to go up this much price is going to go up this much and it's it's just a constant fucking demand driver, so of course it's just gonna end up dominating all manufacturing lines. Yeah, regardless, like how does that not end up being the case?
0: Regardless of consumer preference at any given point in time, people are gonna need access to the soundest money on
2: earth. Right. It's like it's oh no, and 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 if all that shit goes up, like if demand for all that shit goes up, so does demand for Bitcoin, and then the hash rate goes up, and then you just, yeah, it's just like this crazy, ridiculous, wheel. cyclical thing. That of course that's gonna dominate all fucking.
3: I fucking love nice. two-drink, Matt. We shit.
2: Dude, I'm way past two-drink. Keep up, man. God. Let's fucking go.
3: Oh, wow. What five, are We gotta get on his level.
2: Five-drink Matt just broke through the wall. Let's I, fucking go.
3: The freaks are in my mentions specifically saying not to let him get to five drinks until Wait, hour three. Guys,
2: guys. Today is December 23rd. <laughs> what is the price of Bitcoin? All the freaks want to know how wrong you were a week later.
3: Um...
0: I think we're still in the 19 range.
2: Wow, you fucking bear. Okay, what do you think? <laughs> <laughs> what, 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 well, what, now that you dunked where on him in the 19 import. range. Are you bottom 19 or <laughs> higher 19? Uh, like mid, like 9.5. So higher than we are currently. What are we currently? I just nine three eight last my watch.
3: You don't have a block clock watch I yet. Rodolfo, think. get on it. I, For my part, I hate making predictions, but since he put a gun to my head and dunked on you while well, he did it, um... 50k. Where Marty's
2: is in 194, 195. I said. Okay, that where we are right now. We're at 19512 right. right now.
3: So I'm a, then I'm in that case. Base. I'm Falcon a perma bear because I'm going to say between 18 and 194. Wow. And, and my logic is it's. With two weeks left in the year or so, it's December 23rd now, of course, but with such little time left, I'm guessing the marginal price setter for Bitcoin right now, I'm hoping he or she is on vacation. <laughs> right. You know, it's just us auto stackers. Steve Mnuchin
2: in- has passed his, or passed, there's no passing. He's he's enacted his draconian bullshit regulation, and Bitcoin is now at new all-time highs, trading above 20000 Wow. With people saying... Oh, finally, like the risk has been reduced in Bitcoin because we've, 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 we've regulated it and made it legitimate. You KYC it's a, shill. It's a, it's a bullish, it's a bullish. Uh, you KYC suggestion.
0: shill. Get the hell out of here. Put your mic down.
2: It's not my fu- <laughs> it's, not, it's not my fault cut corners exist amongst us. Uh, the
0: yin and yang. The yin and yang. Oh, man. We were describing yin and yang outside.
2: Dude, I'm so bullish right now. Are you guys not like ridiculously yeah, bullish? Yeah, but. Marty said today, Marty said today he'd be thankful for four months of stagnation. Marty, we are not going to get four months of stagnation here.
0: That's why I said I would be thankful. You, you're thankful for something you don't <laughs> think is going to happen. I would be thankful.
2: With um, just more time to stack?
0: Yeah. I mean, I'm, yeah, I'm feverishly stacking still.
3: I'll say this now that 2021 is almost upon us. Do you guys remember 2017? Think back. We were all hanging out in those days. Think back to like when it kicked off and when... 2017 was a formidable... Formidable. We formidable, weren't ready Not formidable. At the time. F- I, I don't know. Formative. I'm, Why am I... God,
2: we I weren't speak. ready at the time. I don't think we were ready for the pump.
0: How can you be ready for it to... In, in terms of memory, like I I remember 2017 very vividly. That's what I was trying to It was very I'm way more year. mature
2: now. I'm way more mature. I, I can handle... I can handle my 19K way more than I could handle my 90 k back then, you know?
0: Oh, yeah. I can handle this 19K better than I handled, like, 2K.
3: For me, it's not necessarily the price. It's the feeling of every normie around me going insane and reading about it for the first time in the news and reacting to it. I had the weirdest time where people who I'd known who stored their life savings in gold or in rugs. Think about that. Like, your life savings is, like, three or four very nice silk rugs suddenly hear about bitcoin become excited about bitcoin but only for its ability to get them more dollars like they they got they were the horse that got led to water but they couldn't drink it for the right reasons they wanted to bathe in it it's like i i don't know what that's going to look like in 2021 a whole bunch of people discovering bitcoin and being really excited about how many dollars it can get them and being the world's worst foreign exchange traders (laughs) it's
2: well my dad to this day When he, in between traveling to Europe He just holds euros And he like thinks he's an FX trader <laughs> He's just like, oh my god I held these 2,000 euros They're up 10% I fucking killed it Oh man
3: Let me cash it out The Travel-X Mr. Odell crushing the FX markets <laughs> Probably beating most CTA hedge funds <laughs>
2: uh, He went super long euros He didn't even know the pandemic hit Yeah, <laughs> But it's uh,
0: Yeah, it's I forgot what i was gonna say
3: i i guess to answer or respond i don't know answer i i'm hyper bullish on bitcoiners i try not to focus too much on the price because one way or another yeah. we're gonna get uh, where we're going
0: oh yeah i agree i agree and that's what i was i remember what i was gonna say now is like I, i've had the family friends indicator going off uh and i guess what's unique for my family friend indicator this time around is people at the podcast as a resource. They're like, Oh, you have a podcast, right? They're like, Oh, let's do a couple episodes.
2: They so you a... don't have to talk to them. They just listen to the fucking episode. Yeah, well, they talk after like, nah. uh, one
0: thing why I'm happy we do this and I never got this feedback, but a new convert to, to Bitcoin family friend, uh, actually my boss from the hot dog stand. Um, oh, the dude. Yeah. The dude, uh, he said, when we read Clark Moody's dashboard and we get to the amount of, the total percentage no. mind he was like wow that's when it really clicked with me like this is finite
2: like, every time yeah. every time we hit it yeah he's like oh my god yeah um, cool
0: so that was like nothing like i never like have kpis for what i don't care metric about that. on percent yeah. mind
2: doesn't really hit me
0: that was some interesting yeah no but it was interesting feedback like oh this is what cared to me what really years per sats
2: sats per year really kills me That's the one that really kills me. I have never thought of it that way. Sats per year, fucking, that's a bad one, man. Like, I, I, oh my God, my sats per year was so high. It used to be so high. It just keeps falling. I can't correct it. (laughs) Like There's no correction. It's like, what do you let go? You're like, oh, I just need 10x this year and I can keep up with last year. You know, like, what the fuck? Well, that's what. (laughs) It's ridiculous. That's what
0: I like about the block clock is sats per minute. Or not per minute, per dollar. Um, Seeing that. Like and that's how I, like reprice. like yeah the last couple of weeks like you have to wait five minutes between each thing when I catch sats per dollar I'm like, oh shit I'm like fifty one hundred sats price is
2: up let's go for so um, dollars is powerful right when's it drop under what do we think about that should we talk about that like the whole like the whole bits bits brigade tried to come in oh, and, oh I'm and going and nowhere near that battle I've, I've seen <laughs> everyone having on Twitter you guys have fun with that uh uh-uh. uh let's
0: let's devil advocate steel man at bits. Are made up of sats. It's a hundred sats.
2: Yeah. Um, the easiest way to visualize bits is a hundred sats, just, which just tells you who won the fucking argument. Bits works, but it works as like secondary to sats. It yeah. works as like, oh, oh, a hundred sats is a bit. I get it. Sats is the root. Yeah, but bits, I get bits now, but I didn't before. Pre-sats, I wasn't.
0: Yeah, but I think like doing like m
2: bits, like ubits. No, it's, it's, it's too confusing. confusing. A thousand sats... I could do, right? Hundred sats is a bit. What is a thousand sats? I could do that.
0: What do you mean? In your mind, or just? I'm like-
2: saying I don't. I don't. I don't know what the unit is. Do you know what the unit is? I can't say that I yeah. do. But a hundred, a hundred sats is a bit, right? I get. I could From once I once you have sats as the standard, you can go up. It's easy to make the units up from there. I think then just go straight to bits like when i couldn't i couldn't grok bits i could grok sats but then then once i grok sats i could do 100 sats as a bit so it's like bits are my dollar and sats are my cent right like i can i can i can recognize that i can understand that
0: well it'll be interesting culturally to see how this evolves too like stacking sats yeah shout out you um (laughs) (laughs) great shout out marty (laughs) um
2: appreciate you
0: like it evolved, like stacking sats is like something that's attainable for everybody, right now. I mean, it forever, will be in the future forever. Much. Um but like having a fat stack of sats is interesting. But like, will it evolve? To like, yeah, I got my, I got a fucking bit,
2: bruh. I got a bit. I got a hundred. I got a bit, bruh. <laughs> I got bits on bits on you're, bits. You're
0: dealing with you're dealing with tens of sats. I got These a bit, bits. Only want bits.
3: This is so interesting to me. <laughs> <laughs> this is so interesting to me because we're sort of. We're coming to our own consensus on what, for lack of a way to put it, Bitcoin denominations should be. I've been thinking about these a lot in relation to Samurai and Whirlpool, how they're you know, pools of different specific sizes.
2: 1 million sats, 5 million sats, 50 million sats.
3: Yep. So Bitcoin normally does not have uh, a denomination per se. There is one Bitcoin and it can be divided out to so many uh, digits. But the way we use them, I mean, we're used to... For example, referring to a single Bitcoin. So one Bitcoin is let's call it a, a denomination. It's the equivalent of a Benjamin in fiat currency. You know, it's the it's largest unit that you can use. Yeah. Um I guess to the extent that there are other denominations, well, for me at least there's the whirlpool pool sizes. So
2: five million one million, five million, fifty.
3: Yep. And from there on out, I guess there's the we're fighting over the ground now about sats and bits and is so there,
2: fifty million sats is is a half a bitcoin. <sighs> So 0.01 is 1 million, 0.05 yep. is 5 million. And
0: this is going to sound completely random, but I actually really appreciate that Pierre and Michael on the Nakamoto Institute when they're writing in the early days and Daniel um, as well uh, referred like they're coming after your Bitcoins, Like yep. your Bitcoin.
2: Oh, I didn't like that. No, because
0: it makes sense. I so, come after your dollars. No, you have one dollar. So you have one bitcoin. No, you have multiple I think, bitcoins. I think the
2: plural of bitcoin should be bitcoin without an s. No, I like. I like. And the, I feel very strongly about this because I, I feel very strongly about this too. So okay, so then what's point zero point four three? Is it bitcoin or bitcoins? It's forty three million sets, or forty three four hundred. Yeah, but in bitcoin sets. terms, what is it? It's point four three bitcoin.
0: What's one cent? Cents. What's
2: 1.43? It's 1.43 Bitcoin. No matter what, it's just Bitcoin. There's no Bitcoins. There's never Bitcoins. I.
3: You know what I'm thinking of right now? I'm thinking of before we started the podcast, when we were all making hey, our steaks. You
2: had $100.43.
3: <laughs> See, one of you put Montreal steak seasoning. One of you just went salt and pepper. Both of you have real <laughs> strong opinions about that. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm thinking about right now. Continue.
0: Are there parallels to their current denomination. No, I'm I And are we being logically
2: inconsistent with? What this? do you do with decimals?
0: Again? Like you have you have 10 bitcoins and 430 million 0.
2: sats. 0.43 bitcoin or bitcoins? That's 14. 0.43 <laughs> 43 million sats in bitcoin is 0. 0.43 bitcoin. 0. 0.43 BTC. B, B, bitcoin?
0: You just say sats, you don't add the bitcoin.
2: Oh, so we just say 43 million Because you don't sats? add a dollar, so you get we over just 100 it? cents. I disagree. Step in here. I disagree. Oh, uh, wow, I'm being forced to. It's 10, to? 10 yeah, Bitcoin. It's 5 Bitcoin. It's <laughs> 0.43 Bitcoin. It's always just Bitcoin. No S. There's never an S at the end. It's not no, right. I'm it's a, wrong. You, You're wrong about that. The only thing that has plurals <laughs> is sats. Sats, 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 sat. You have sats. three Bitcoins. You have and th- you have 100 and what?
0: You have three Bitcoins and 430,000 sats.
2: Wait, what was that?
0: Yeah, four Bitcoins and 430,000 sats. That's how you, de- you describe Four
2: Bitcoin and 430,000 sats. That would be sets. 4.043 Bitcoin. 4.004.
0: Point, 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 4.004. Point
2: four yeah, zeros, okay. Bitcoin, not Bitcoins. Not Bitcoins. It'd be Bitcoin. It'd be, it wouldn't be 4.0034 Bitcoins. No, again, you'd be,
0: be 4 Bitcoins and 430,000
2: sats. Like, no, it'd be 4. so like you forty three cents, You
0: have $2 and 43 cents oh, yeah. freaks. It I'm trying matter. here. I really am.
2: It doesn't, it doesn't look at the end of the day. At the end of the day, sats are the standard. Somebody like, start a like, poll. Uh, we agreed. We agree on the Sats side. So I, I'm, I'm cool with that. Yeah,
0: no, I agree. All Pl-
2: right, I just, I just, to the people, Bitcoin's plural. I liked I liked uh, when the bits versus sats argument came up. Like mm-hmm. people got angry at me because I brought it. I like maybe I hit below the belt a little bit, but I I brought it to are they too bearish? Like if if, if, <laughs> if, if if the issue is if the issue is that sats are just like too small of a unit, then like why so bearish? Like why <laughs> why, why is that the situation? It's apparently it hit people. Yeah, you a, a sa- little bit below the are belt. You a about it.
0: You're a sense sat parody. Bear, right? Bulls. No, we're dollar. We're dollar Oh, dollars. yeah, yeah. We're,
2: we're dollar. We're this dollar. Is, <laughs>
0: oh, dollar this is the question parity parity I wanted to ask. Bolts.
3: Okay. Yes, yes, So is a sat going to be a penny or a dollar? And it's not just like an exchange rate question. It's a Yeah, it's going to be, be both.
2: It's going to be both in time. Because you can Patience, do millisats your on your time preference. You can do millisats on yeah, lightning. Yeah, already, we've already hit the millisat.
3: I don't mean in exchange rate terms. I mean, think of it this way. A dollar can still buy you at the bodega around the corner. You can get something to eat for a dollar. It's not much, but there's something tangible you can buy for a dollar. questionable, yeah. It's a honey bun. Yeah. Uh, It's pretty bad. Hey, man, a honey bun is money for some people. In prison money. You used to
2: be able to get, like, a fucking proper dollar meal.
3: Right. You know? a, a penny at this point is a vestigial thing that is like, yes, okay, technically currency, but hey, would you like to run into this machine to put a funny face on it? Inflation
2: has been just running, has just been like Usain bolting, just like fucking through everything. My favorite, so super my fast. favorite
0: inflation indicator personally, the hot dog stand. The hot Ooh, dog stand that's is a good like one.
2: ridiculously expensive now. When I
0: started working and when I was 13, two dollars upwards of five now. Yeah, so expensive, stuff, right.
2: The $1 oh. bill basically doesn't even exist as a bill anymore. It's a nuisance. Man, you hand it
0: to people, like, should I even fucking accept that? <laughs> uh, I'm not t- accepting change. I don't, I don't take change anymore. <laughs> I don't know if this is bad, but I'm like, I don't want it in my pocket because I'm just going to forget it. It's going to fall out of my floor. That's it's ridiculous, like
2: right? It's it's, The dollar is almost dust. Right? It's basically a dust output.
0: Yeah. That's a good that's a good analogy. That, see, this is, this is actually safe... That's so where I really like what he's doing with the fiat standard is applying everything in the incumbent world and applying a Bitcoin perspective on it
3: like mm-hmm. you just did there. Whoa. Oh, I mean, we're looking at me now? No, yeah, no, we're
2: not. I'm, I'm looking at you. No, <laughs> I mean. like,
3: we were creating some I think, uh, suspenseful. I think Cybrink Matt is digesting that. and
2: Nobody even knows what's going on right now. What's going?
3: What do you mean nobody knows
0: what's going on? What perspective? Bitcoin, the world, politics.
2: I mean, we're seven days Hold in the, the future. Hold the mic to your mouth, please. All right. We're seven days in the future
3: right now. Right. It's December 23rd.
2: No one knows what's going on right now. Bitcoin's I think Bitcoin, reaching all-time high. I think Bitcoin is probably pretty much banned right now. Wow. We're like, in America, legal activity. I mean, you can hodl this podcast is likely illegal by the time we post yeah. it. Yeah. Interesting. Parentheses. Oh, man. Likely illegal.
3: This is the first time I've ever been looking forward to dunking on anyone, much less you, but I hope you're wrong and I'm going to dunk on you for it on December 23rd. Preempt-
2: you can preemptively dunk on me right now. Like, hash it into the blockchain. Let's go. <laughs> Whoa.
3: Oh, wow. We're we about to do an op return.
0: Yeah. Fuck it. Why not?
3: Can you construct an op return? That quick? not pretty hard. You know what? No, I'm not burning a UTXO on
2: I you.
0: I we just don't tell have you to wrong. if we
2: just <laughs> speak. It's recorded.
0: If you just speak, it enters the Bitcoin blockchain. Duh.
2: No, it probably it will not, but it could if it wanted to. I uh, guess. Yeah, no, and it's.
0: It, so, you two have very different views about what's going to happen in the next seven days. I don't think
2: so. I think I I'm I'm channeling Arbdout's views from the last fucking four years into my current views. I mean, Boy. I think we're very on, we're on the same point.
3: So you think they're you're, we're talking. Back now about Mnuchin There's going to be gonna proper
2: be a- Bitcoin restrictions. We're going to have proper Bitcoin restrictions.
3: Okay, again, I wouldn't put it past him. Who knows what's going on in Minuchin's head, especially in these last days? Might as well have some fun with it. I mean, I would not have expected the Attorney General to proffer his resignation yesterday. Since what it been...
2: happened with that? What was the deal with that? That's weird. Yeah, it is. Isn't that... that weird.
3: Yeah, did you read that letter? It was incredibly. It was the nicest I mean, resignation letter ever. He must have ever.
2: gotten to a fight with Trump. Like there must have been a fight. Like what? You don't. You don't just leave like 15 days before he's going to leave anyway. He's gonna. He's almost out. He's almost already out. Why is he leaving? What's fucking going on? What what what's the deal?
0: So, there's many perspectives we can I I've, I've looked into all of them.
2: But this know. is this is weird, right? Like it's yeah. weird. Like there's like 15 days. Like it's there's literally story. like he just he lost the electoral college. There's a, uh, fucking 30 days. 15 days a little bit ahead of time. 30 days until he's got to leave. What the fuck is going on?
3: So, with that in mind, okay, if that sort of weirdness is going on at the end of this administration, I could see, you know, Mnuchin maybe doesn't want to have this be his last hurrah. He wants to get known for something. Maybe it's this. I wouldn't say that's impossible. But it occurs to me that, you know, it's important to us. We're American citizens. We live in America. It's not so important for anyone else who doesn't live under Mnuchin's purview. Um, and I'm not sure that that angle has been thought out and the consequences of that have been thought out. That screams to me regulatory arbitrage. Exactly.
2: Well, no. Well Okay. Regulatory arbitrage is always in the game. What about Americans.
0: Temporarily fucked. But then, like, this is what's fascinating to me because you'd expect it to be the complete other way where the incoming administration would be m- most likely to enact this type of yeah. uh, regulation. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, if Mnuchin does do anything between now and when this podcast finally airs,
3: <laughs>
2: I love it where we're basically do doing post op, but we don't know what happened.
0: Yeah. But this is, I think, regardless if it happens okay, or not, continue. it's an interesting hypothetical, like, if Mnuchin does push through regulation that we expect is coming, does the Biden administration, if it takes, if, if January 20th comes and Biden becomes president, does, uh, do they push back on that last act by Mnuchin out of spite? Like, would mm-hmm. they have not, if he didn't do anything? would they have actually I could instituted see, that regulation themselves?
3: I could see noise being made about it. I can't imagine anyone expending political capital to fight against it, um, mostly because the thing that they have in common, both administrations would want to secure and cement the status of the United States dollar as global reserve currency. Yeah. You can't really... There's a great quote that I keep retweeting every few months. You cannot control... A country with a currency that people can escape yeah that's yeah the beauty the beauty of
2: fucking bitcoin for mnuchin is that it's one of the few things you can do that the Biden administration will keep they they, there's no political will to to fight it right they'll they'll like if if stable act being a good
0: example yeah like
2: if 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 coin center and all these different organizations try and fight it then they have to deal with it but like they're not going to go out of their way to overturn anything that happens there. And and Minuchin knows that so so if he wants to fuck over us, like he can fuck he can hit us like and 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 for a bitcoin hodler, for someone who's holding bitcoin and stacking sats and actually controlling their own keys, I don't think it's like that much risk. But like they're still coming for us. Like I feel like he's coming for. Like he's about to hit us. Like I this idea that he's not going to. I disagree with.
3: So let's dig into that then. Instead of saying what yes. if or what not, let's dig into because there's two things that occurs to me. There's the first: the executive order sixteen didn't kill gold. Right. Um. It definitely made a few people pretty unhappy when it went down, but it certainly didn't kill gold. The second it is it neutered it. Yeah. So that's I guess what we're rolling out to do. Let's say the worst right, comes to pass.
2: Decriminalized. Uh, Amer- like Americans that were, were they were real Americans they were you know uh, honest law abiding Americans yeah and then all of a sudden one day 61 to 2 passed and they were just criminals it was like if you didn't give in your gold you're a fucking criminal right like this idea that like all of a sudden you're a criminal if you do, yeah. do not correspond to this fucking for the financial decisions bullshit the past, law yeah. like that's ridiculous that's a fucking ridiculous concept like Correct. people don't you get realize. I people don't being a Yeah, people don't. I don't think people really realize like how much like that's bullshit. Like that's fucking ridiculous.
3: So with that bullshit in mind, <laughs> let's say let's say a 6102, uh electric boogaloo happens on December twenty-third. Let's say the what modal has been warning us about comes to pass. What are you guys going to do? What do you? How's this going to go down for each one of us? Let's talk I'm through so it. So
2: fucked.
0: I'm gonna go with my day to day like I usually would. I'm not taking down our BTC pay server. I'm not doing any of that shit.
3: Look at the balls on him. I fucking like it. You know. Seriously,
0: come knock on my door and tell me to take it down. But until then, go fuck yourself. Come and take
3: it. Yeah. Uh-oh, Matt's silent. Matt's... Don't worry, it's all my name. You're good. Matt is selling us out. <laughs> Matt is going to drop a dime on us when when the narcs come. We're getting sold out. He's like, arbed out, lives here. He's at this place. He makes a great steak. Make Why sure wouldn't I? On. I've
0: been doing it for I'm not harming anybody. I'm honestly not doing anything
2: illegal. I put all my like, money into DeFi. I got rug pulled. I just <laughs> I just don't know what happened. Oh,
3: God, the boating accident. Yeah. I forgot. But that again, poor, it's like...
2: That poor rug pull of a uh, of DeFi.
0: Yeah, like you gotta be the change you wanna see in the world. I know that's a cheesy but like fuck. Like somebody's
2: People are gonna I... be in court, yes. Yeah.
0: People are so fucking complacent though. Like I would I would put out there as a potential to avoid court for anybody if enough people stand up and actually fucking just keep doing what they're doing, simply. Like there's millions of Americans.
3: I think this comes down to framing. I think we really need to emphasize the framing around this because if if it sounds like what we're fighting for is just our right to hold a deflationary currency and make more dollars, I don't think, <laughs> I, I can't imagine rallying to make people that cause. Doing. Right. The, at, the, at the end of the day, this you comes down to... Cool. Well, what, do we do? What, what are we doing? What it, are
2: we doing? What are we doing? This is the Why right we to here? run. <laughs> <laughs> we're talking about
3: the right to run the software that we like as we choose to on our own personal property to engage in the network protocols that we prefer to without uh, any interruption. There are Why? Why? Because we can. Who are you to ask, <laughs> motherfucker? It's a natural right. Right. But why? What are you, a
2: five-year-old? <laughs> no, we're, <laughs> fucking, we're fucking doing it because for
3: freedom, for my freedom, yes, personally, yes. For my sovereignty, for my sense of freedom. Right. Thank you. Uh, I don't. God. I don't want these intermediaries telling me what to do. They've failed me so many yes. times in the past.
2: Because freedom.
3: Yes. I mean. Ooh, we were supposed to talk about voice and exit and MMT and all that. This gives us a great...
2: MMT? Great segue. is
1: fine.
3: It's... Uh, Because this gets right into it. Voice (laughs) and exit. Bitcoin is the ultimate... Okay, so I just said voice and exit twice, so I'm assuming that everyone's read Hirschman's exit voice and loyalty. I should probably go over that idea. Let's do it. Um, Okay, so the general concept that Hirschman lays out in exit voice and loyalty is if you're a member of an organization or let's say it's a firm or a tribe or a clan or whatever, you have and you don't like the way things are going, you have two options if you want to change things. You can either bug out and exit uh, and make a different choice, or you can raise your voice and change things from within. And exit is inherently a free market decision. It's taking your, it's voting with your dollars and going somewhere else. Voice is inherently a political decision because you have to do lobbying and uh, getting people to get on board with your new way of doing things. And... I was thinking about it because I noticed... I don't know if you've seen this on Twitter, but there seems to be a lot of back and forth between Bitcoin fans and MMT fans. You oh, noticed yeah. that? Yeah, yeah. Last two weeks particularly, yes. Yeah. Wait, really? I'm not going to get into like the finer points of modern monetary theory um, because I mean, would you listen to an MMT podcast that dumped on Bitcoiners? What's the point of that, you know? Exactly. Um,
2: Wait, isn't it? It's completely opposite of Bitcoin, right? Yeah, in
3: uh, so many ways, yeah. Okay. And I think, I think we should... Recognize that and realize that we're never going to agree with each other, and we're going to end up sharing the same planet anyway. So we, may just come to, we might as well come to terms with why we don't disagree, or why we'll never agree. You uh, a, but I but go ahead. I think their views are just so convoluted.
0: <laughs> like I and like so, and this is part of the conversation. I was safe as well. Is at what point do you have a retrospective on? This mon that type of monetary system, and yeah. actually look at the score cor- card, look at the scoreboard, see what it's actually produced, and then decide whether or not to go in another direction. Like, why should they have the excuse to continue these policies which have been obviously detrimental to society overall? Uh, why should they be able to take it to the next step oh, function, quote unquote improvement? They would say.
3: Oh man, do I have to? You're gonna make me Steel Man MMT, okay? Come for I'll, it. All right, I'll Steel Man MMT. Uh, the MMTs' response, I think, to this, and I'll do it in the best faith possible. I hope they would re- represent us and our viewpoints uh, with the same level of integrity. I think the MMTers would say, "Well, we actually haven't had a chance to implement our viewpoints yet." See,
0: we've never seen real socialism. Sorry. We've never seen real socialism. Yeah,
3: <laughs> basically. MMT, is, Modern Monetary Theory is, let's see, it's a mix of Warren Mosler and L. Randall Ray, and I guess Abel Lerner is in there as well with Functional Finance. Um, there's the basic idea of neo-chartalism and NAP's state theory of money that's been around for a while. That part has been around <laughs> for a while. Chartalism has been around for a while. Fiat currency has been around for a while. MMT's, uh, the MMT's argument would be, well, okay, what neo-chartalism and the state theory of money tells us is that since the sovereign currency issuer can never go broke in nominal terms anyway, since they have a printing press and can always print money, we don't have to worry about deficits. So instead of worrying about deficits, uh, we should be asking ourselves, what can we do with this money printer that we have? And the MMT's response is we need a federal job guarantee slash employer of last resort. Basically put the government... if. It always drives me wild uh, that argument. The, the government should be the employer of last resort, and that way, no one will be unemployed. So, an is fucking are sp-
2: ridiculous. So, yeah.
3: the MMT response would be, "Well, we don't have a federal job program, so my ideas haven't been implemented." That would be, I think, how they would react. I have personal response to that as well, but I see what you do too. So, go ahead.
0: Yeah, I was, like, was going to say this ties neatly back to something we were talking about earlier, which is, what do you like? What is your end goal, uh, economy? with growth at all costs, do you want jobs? Do you just want jobs? Like this is, that's a cool question. Right. Like you see a bunch of people, like I think it was Milton Friedman who said this. I said this a couple episodes ago in China, looking at 10 men digging a ditch. uh, And he was like, why don't you have one, one of those guys just using a bulldozer. It's much more efficient. And the man he was with was like, Oh, they need jobs. He's like, Oh, if you want more jobs, get them all spoons. Like, What's your goal?
2: Your spoons are good.
3: There it is. Yeah.
2: No, but so so, one of the things that I've noticed is, like, maybe you could make such a system work if you had like a a way to expel people from your your society or whatever. And then you can't maybe pretend you to be free. Work, but like, like a hundred percent. But like, but but what? What? How do you? I, I think basically what it comes down to is what we see in San Francisco and what we've lately seen in New York, um, which Arbdout knows, and he's noticed as well, is that the homeless population, we, there's, there's nothing that is done to stop that situation. That situation is just allowed to exist. It's, it's just, it exists in our city right now and and we we noticed this happened in san francisco and now it's happening in new york and this idea that if if this base that there's no punishment on this base level just on that that ground level just creates this zone that just destroys the whole fucking mechanism like i don't even know how you deal with that
3: you got so hmm I don't have an answer because I'm not an mmt but this is the central – this is the question that I asked myself after recent – That's after,
2: where it breaks, right? Sorry? That's where it breaks. It breaks I, at that, like, core bottom level. Like, I think, like, the
3: – I'm inclined to agree, and I'll, I'll tell you why. Uh, we don't have a federal job guarantee right now. We don't have an employer of last resort in the federal government right now. But we do have uh, food stamps. We have – the government's not providing you your jobs, but they will be happy to provide you with government food and government housing. But don't nobody? Nobody's writing songs about government cheese or like how much they right. love the projects. J Rock. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is no fun living in. But he's not writing about it snap, like a flattering you
0: know? way. He's like oh, I got out of this.
3: I think my okay. I guess I'll inject my critique of MMT now, since we've gotten to that point. Mine would be the federal job guarantee and looking at. Looking at the services the government provides and asking yourselves, it's the fundamental view of the state is the view is the role of the state to get out of our way and let us be the best citizens we can be, or is it to hand us everything on a plate because if it hands us everything on a plate, it's going to hand us a plate full of government cheese you know right
0: yeah and it's, it gets back to the whole
3: government cheese butter
0: no it comes back like at its essence, like the mechanics of how they would implement that and how the Fed currently implements it at its basic core, its granular level, its basic concept capital allocation like do you trust these people to allocate capital
3: why should you Yeah. Why wish not way
0: like and again so that's the next question you're like alright why should I why would I and then you say like what would I need uh, what would give me confidence to trust these and you number one would be like proximity to the information source of the problems they're looking to solve and all these politicians and all these processes that direct these money flows are so far away from the the source of the information of the problem like pricing signals that they can't it's impossible for them to uh, efficiently allocate that capital they don't understand what is actually needed like you need that distributed local community to actually understand problems because that's what problems aren't uh standard across the board they're very specific to certain people in certain areas in certain situations can't
3: see you're a Bitcoiner through and through. There, this is the collective action problem and Hayek's pretense of knowledge. You know, how can these people know that they are able to act in our best interests collectively when we haven't consulted with them or the sort? This is why amateurs and Bitcoiners will never agree. Because what you just uh, laid out there was a perfect. It's, that's exit. You're, you don't want to have these people in this position of making those capital allocation decisions. You'd rather trust like four lines of code from Satoshi that has the uh, the supply every four years. You put your faith in that instead of. Uh, the institutions that would make those decisions for you. MM MMTers want to lobby those institutions to have them affect the goals that they prefer. Instead of uh, the current focus on uh, deficit spending and deficit hawks and all that, MMTers want to keep the Federal Reserve, keep the Treasury, keep OFAC, keep the BIS and the IMF and the World Bank, keep all those institutions and just have them pointed towards different aims. You have different aims as well, but you're not using those institutions. You want out.
0: Yeah. But yeah, and it's in, like, again, going back to we have 100 years of data to look back on, actually do like a retrospective analysis of the implementation of these ideas at at least a smaller scale, and just to take it to a different scale. Again, it's not real socialism. They're okay. going to be better allocators. Like, you would hope at least like the first iteration, like the ETH 1.0 <laughs> of this system, oh, man. like was somewhat successful and like showed promise to be able to scale yeah, and actually work. Bad.
3: Yeah. It's, I guess is the difference between people who see the state as it exists and the state as it would be. I think, you know, this is a weird dividing point between uh, the Bitcoin f- folks that I know in New York and the MMT folks that I know in New York. I swear this is true. It's opinions on Sandy. Because it, that's your first experience with a nasty government response to something. Hurricane Sandy. Yeah, yeah. I was actually living in Chicago at the time, but me and ah, my wife were me. long distance, and I was
0: in New York during Sandy. I got stuck here. We were just started dating, and I got stuck with her during Sandy yeah, for like so three, you're three days. Yeah, so New Yorker. Congratulations. Yeah, yeah we, we were on the Upper East Side and uh, had power.
3: Like, So I I, I oh, witnessed wow. that
0: dynamic of people coming up to like use our outlets. You
3: were a power person. Yeah. Wow, I was not. <laughs> you were a, a non-power person. Nope, and it was weird first because first
2: time in like New York history.
3: Yeah, and I walked. It was weird because I walked up and I realized it wasn't the whole island. There were actually power people.
2: It's just like you were a non-power person. Yeah.
3: That was my first visceral experience with having local government just fail me completely. Like, I don't need much, but we're on day five of no electricity, and I'm not being allowed to like leave. Like, what's going
2: on in these votes? Dive yeah.
3: into
0: that. What What happened specifically for anybody who wasn't in New York and wasn't able to experience the uh, no power?
3: So there's it's a power grid. There's a power station or a couple of substations on the east side of Manhattan that were taken out of commission. One of them, I think, was actually taken out not by the storm. Yeah, go, ahead. go on. No. Cool. Like the sandy waters
2: took it over. It yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Five drink mat. Yeah.
2: No, it was the water. The water overtook our fucking substation in yeah. the East Village. Like, that's what happened. Yeah. Like, we got fucking wrecked.
3: Well, I mean, your substation. I don't live in the East Village.
2: Yeah. Our, our, my substation, my substation that got fucking wrecked <laughs> by the fucking Hurricane Sandy floodwaters. Yeah.
3: And so they. And,
2: and they never thought that could happen. was no. it, it was, it was in a never could happen sphere of. Manhattan lore. Yeah,
3: right? and it wasn't just the su- the substation; it was the subways as well. They got flooded. Remember that the tunnels? Yeah,
2: everything got flooded. So again, every- the L got completely. There was just it was just water.
3: So was- suddenly, you find yourself on an island where you can't go anywhere because the subways fucked. We're <laughs> screwed. The traffic lights are out. There's no uh, the power that you have is down to your batteries. Oh, this is a great little monetary side effect. You want to know what happens when money breaks down, when there's no electricity? I hear a lot of no-coiners talk about, like, Bitcoin's going to stop working <laughs> when electricity stops working. Guess what? So does everything else.
0: <laughs> what happened?
3: Literally, cash registers would not open because they are electric-powered. You can't shit. swipe anything. There's no ATMs going.
2: There's just, like, random, like, power strips. Like, you yeah. just charge from, yep. like, random power strips. Like, oh, Thank you for your outlet, sir. You have electricity, (laughs) sir.
3: Exactly. More, please. My, my parents gave me a $100 bill for my birthday, and I keep it in the card because, you know, oh, isn't that sweet of them? I had to use that $100 bill to buy a pizza so I could have change. <laughs> Didn't matter because nobody else's cash register is open, so we reverted to, like, literally yellow notepads of names and, like, IDs. Really? Yeah. And, like, mostly it was going to my bodega and them knowing my face and saying credit, and they were like, well, we can't open the register anyway, no ATM, so credit
2: it's and like Mr. Robot like i feel like that's how like we turned to bitcoin. <laughs> See, put you know? you're you're diving into a this few different dynamics
0: here. Um origins of money like you go to the center town or in this case your bodega and they keep the ledger for you and then you make good for it later but
1: bodegas
2: are For as
0: big as New York is, like the bodega relationship you have with your bodega owner. Yeah. It's, it's like real, a real local man. it's our local banker. Yeah, like i like i <laughs> our, uh our local bodega guy in Williamsburg before we moved the like he knew he knew he knew about my wife's pregnancy all throughout yeah, like, right? giving updates oh, like he was at it the wedding saying, yeah. you know, he's <laughs> yeah. like... but it, like that so that like that's one of the things that gives me hope is like that like connection in localities and that's a good example of like how governance should be
3: yeah absolutely
0: in that situation particularly it's like all right government found you my local bodega guy i have a fucking relationship we have information exchange the where we know each other and I trust him I, where you're, these politicians are so far away from that information that it, like you can't even it, they could never do that.
3: Absolutely. There's a great book that you just reminded of. Uh, God, I hate how I keep doing that. But it's called uh, it's by Calder. It's called Financing the American Dream. I'm going to spare you the entire synopsis of it. But the general idea is. Credit is wildly different when it's local versus when it's national. Your relationship between your bodega or your local grocery store, when they put it on your tab, or your bar or wherever, is completely different from you like soliciting a mortgage from a mortgage provider that's in across the country. America. Yeah, yeah, it's all about the relationship. Your credit worthiness is is tied to your trustworthiness. That must be tied to your relationship with them, with your counterparty.
0: Bitcoin fixes this if you want to scale it. <laughs> Does it? No, it doesn't. Yes, you can create a web of trust
2: and like. I like to think you could. Well, why does Bitcoin fix that?
0: Because it creates an incentive to act, to rate people accurately. Could be wrong.
2: Well, I'm just rating you. So I met you. Like if you're a teacher. I met you. If you're a teacher and you offer you. your services,
0: if we do move to a Zoom world. Have How a do I rate you? You're, you're rated by the amount of sales. You're, up, rate you're rate able you to like accumulate so I'm, by the job that you're that, doing. I'm
2: gonna give you, I, so we had a conversation. Do I tip you? Would I send you some sets?
0: No, no, you're misunderstanding. Like, in a world where people are not able, your average, your middle class worker isn't able to uh, buy into Bitcoin as easily. at the to work. When we transition to people actually working for Bitcoin, actually, a system yeah. of merit, like a teacher, if you move to a completely uh, Zoom classroom, which I'm not sure. We're I'm in a Zoom with, classroom now. But if we're in a Zoom so classroom. So we're in a Zoom classroom. Zoom classroom. Presumably... Everybody has access to the same group of teachers. Okay. And the best will raise the most sats. The best will be the most
2: expensive.
0: Quasi credit rating. So system. the
2: richest will have the best teachers. No, merit.
0: You'll be able to pay. Everybody will be able to pay. Based on for the their same richness. Le- no, for the same lesson. Could be wrong.
2: And then how do they get How do they to like the, the lesson?
0: Socialism has been implemented the crap. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I'm a little bit confused about your system, Marty. All right, maybe I was wrong. Maybe
0: I went on a bad rant. <laughs> Does anybody uh, understand what I'm trying to say?
3: I, I dig it. I'm just trying to... I want to... I'm more enjoying the interaction between you and... Is it now uh, 6 drinks, Matt? Is that what what's No
2: me? one even fucking know. Why are you counting? You're
3: like... <laughs> Am I your mom?
2: No, I mean, you're like a mix of my mom, like a little bit of, like, Chinese dictator. Wow. Like, Whoa. Who knows Who knows what's going on?
3: I mean, three hey. hours ago, I was making you the best steak of your life. Why don't we w- w- wind it back where I'm not a member of the CCP?
2: <laughs> a, How did it get to this point? It wasn't my fault. I like I, I didn't want to get here. Cheers.
0: Yeah, it's my fault. I brought the Mictors. Mm. Shout out to On The Brink for the Mictors. Well, did they contribute it? Yeah. Yes.
2: Oh, cheers! Okay.
0: Um mm. Now, what it is? I, I, we should dive into this though. The
2: what are we diving into? The
0: locality, of, like before, I went on that Bitcoin could be a, a credit system. In reality, now we do know that like your bodega is going to trust you and give you credit well, over some rando.
2: Well, can we talk about how like bodegas survived this pandemic? But well, this pandemic has just destroyed small business. And if we talk about They've destroyed small business, but somehow the bodega survived. The bodega's bodega is the cockroach of the small business, <laughs> right? Out of all the small business, <laughs> there's the bodega, a lot of them. They're strong. They'll survive. That's crazy, anything. right? I never thought about that. I fucking Like the love bodegas, bodegas, fucking survived, man. The, the bodegas might have had better business than usual. I would imagine so. I think I think yeah. their their year was actually a pretty good year. That's crazy.
0: People smoking, drinking more
2: it's fucked up it's fucked up best alternatives you, you, if you think about 2020 too 2020 is the year that they decided to fucking pull the trigger on all the small businesses and and then amazon and walmart like they all fucking had all-time highs best best years ever like that's fucked up like they this was this was the year the trigger was pulled
3: i can't believe how true that is i mean it's I, disgusting yeah, it, you'll see it. Well, I can't dox myself. Um, but on this block, when you walk out, there are several bars that are closed. Um, but there are several bodegas that are open. We just sort of picked and chose, which, I mean, some of those bars are small enough that the occupancy that uh, they have at max is comparable to a bodega. This is New York City we're talking about. We don't have pretty really big business <laughs> yeah. establishments. We just sort of arbitrarily yeah, picked have some and chose. we small bars. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Right, <laughs> and
3: I I might without talking about lockdowns or anything I will say it is a special kind of cruelty to institute lockdown and not have any provision for taking care of the lost income that people are suffering just know, oh like, hey you're unemployed and can't make, pay your bills now they're best still of luck
2: charging fucking taxes and shit like what the fuck man but you know what really humanized it for me particularly it was a very strong video out of
0: LA that that woman who owned that bar and that movie set set up. Oh, right. Tense, like, right, like 50 feet from her, and she couldn't have, like, like the logical inconsistency, like, I've said this before, like, logical inconsistency is at an all-time high. It just doesn't, like, I'm sorry, I've been living in a place where people don't wear masks, and, like, I got in my car, did not wear a mask walking up here. People were, like, giving me eyes. Uh, But then, like, a dude smoking a cigarette, like, is fine. A chick, like, drinking... Mm-hmm. coffee while sitting down is fine like it's not logically consistent just that fact alone makes me want to be like fuck you like I'm not following this is sheep herd mentality like fuck this
2: well like in March if you wore a mask you were the weirdo right and now you don't wear one you're the weirdo weird it's so weird it's so like herd mentality
1: <gasps> yeah
0: and there's actually um my brother and I over the weekend I think um who shared it I think guy swan shared a video of the asher experiments in the 70s where you had one subject who was actually being tested in uh-huh. a group of six actors and they like
3: they get peer pressure into giving the wrong answer yeah, essentially when it's yeah. and not peer when, when
0: the the right answer is so obvious that you're like no it's so like the first time they ask him a question and he's like everybody's like one 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 he's like no it's two and they sit- literally took one other question Everybody was like, three, three, three. The real answer was two. And he was like, uh, three.
3: Like, If you've ever been in an advanced computer science course, you'll have seen that happen at least once just because the subject matter is so confusing. There's a lot of safety and belief in believing what everyone else believes. There's a. I don't know. Well, let me try to. I'm not six-drink mat, but I am two-drink-arbed out.
2: Whoa, you're just going to come at me like that, bro.
3: Hey, man, I wish I was on your level. You told us yeah. to get up on your level, and we can't. Yeah,
2: get on my level, man. I'm, I'm trying. We're, I'm we're, all, we're all on this, the floor together, considering <laughs> you don't own chairs. I have to drive Cheers to
0: that. <laughs> Mixing waters in.
2: Yeah, I'm, Chairs are a rip-off. When chairs are a scam. What was I saying? We were going to the Ash Experiments, computer
3: science <laughs> oh, people. Oh, right, yeah, so. yeah. Apologies. There's... You have to ask yourself, do you want to be right or do you want to feel comfortable? Being agreeing with everyone else is very comfortable. It's very safe. There's no risk in it. Um, did we just make this about Bitcoin? Yeah, the reputational risk, you know.
0: Right. Well, no, I think I think a lot of bitcoiners are probably going through this too, like not only Bitcoin, but this year alone, like being skeptical of the reaction of the authorities to uh, what's going on with the virus. Like a lot like again I think Philly-specific. I've got a couple things to say about Philly before we end this podcast, but I'll start here. Like hmm. Philly's a small city relative to all the big cities. It's yeah. a small, big city uh, in the country, but there's like a lot of group... Like, Philadelphians are cut from a certain cloth, like, tough, love the birds, fucking... Like, don't fuck. Go Eagles. I'll fucking kick you. We got your it. Ass. We
2: got it, bro. We got it. We but don't need to hear that. Again,
0: like going back to the six action news, like a bunch of people are watching.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Here comes Jim Edwards. All right. Like, it's it's fucking. Jim. Everybody's Gym. listening Gym. to that. And uh, it's like, yeah, we just need the vaccine. Wear the mask. We'll be fine. It's like this group <laughs> thing. It's weird how humans just go along with that. Like
2: I'm not cool with it.
0: No, well, obviously, we're Bitcoiners and skeptical of the lockdowns. <laughs> it's very minority position in the world. Even though we may, like, observe on Twitter and, like, think Twitter's... Um, a lot of people on Twitter are saying this. Twitter's relatively small.
2: Well, Twitter's tiny, right? Yeah. Like, Twitter should be a lot bigger if Jack was actually doing anything as a CEO. Hey, man. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck with you. Yeah. No, but it's... <laughs> that
0: but that simple experiment where you can take uh a, like a, a mass quasi like a mass herd mentality and break it down to a group of literally six people where that person loses their individuality and they know, like that's the thing about this experiment. When you see the video, it's like these are the obvious correct answers and these actors are paid to get the wrong answer and he's just like questioning himself, like, oh fuck, no, it's three.
3: Oh. It's like uh you know what I thought of when I saw that clip online? I thought of every time I've been on the subway and or crossing a street and someone else falls starts, either you know, they move and you just instinctively do it because you're you're part of the crowd. Right? You don't even think about it.
0: No, that's what like New York specifically really drives that point home. You feel like you're just like part of a school of fish, like in the fucking
3: Always. City. Forever.
0: Yeah. It's uh Who the fuck are you?
2: You're just a little fish.
0: Right. But like when you're talking about literal like movement, like stop, pause, jaywalking, uh, and flat iron gets frowned upon. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm going to cross the street though. Fuck you. So like to bring this back to Bitcoin, does Bitcoin change these tendencies (laughs) at all? Like it has for me personally where I'm like just like inherently skeptical maybe to a fault.
3: I think this experience in particular of having years and years now of capitalized letters here, very smart people tell us that this couldn't work, that it wouldn't work that it wouldn't work for reasons due to power or Chinese miners or something about deflation or the Federal Reserve or men with guns or this and that and the other thing. And watching them over and over every single day be proven wrong as number goes up. How can that not change you and how change the way you look at the people who are telling you these things in such authoritative voices? You're skeptical of everything. I'd question authority at so much more now than I used to before Bitcoin. I mean, you were wrong about this. What else are you wrong about, you know?
0: And then... And then you tried to, like, explain that to your family. It's like, ugh.
3: Oh, yeah. The zeal of the converted. Yeah. You can't be a wild-eyed bitcoiner trying to convert your parents.
0: Right. Not your parents. Worry about your in-laws more than your parents, okay? Oh, wow. I can't (laughs) even imagine. (laughs) No, I mean, I love my in-laws. We, yeah. Incredible relationship. But no, like, it's like, how do you, like, you know, it's like, you've been lied to again and again and again. Like we said earlier, 9-11, 2008 financial crisis, now this. Mm-hmm. It's like, how many big worldwide scandals do you need? I don't want to say scandal, but like, fuck-ups. Like, yeah. of uh, mass coordination do you need to go through where it's like, all
2: right, maybe these guys are wrong.
0: And they're fucking... Like
2: bringing them back, like guys, I don't know where we are right now, <laughs> but
0: we're talking about we're, it, Bitcoin, Bitcoin. We're talking about the madness of crowds. We're gonna bring this back to Bitcoin, don't worry.
2: Bitcoin, Bitcoin's gonna hit like we're gonna hit. We're about to hit like four hundred thousand dollars of Bitcoin. Wow, like five. Not humble, 000 Matt 000 Odell has joined the podcast. We like, we we're, were just like it is gonna be unreasonable. Matt it's Odell is be gone. It's Bill now. Absolutely <laughs> unreasonable, and I don't know how we're gonna handle it. We're gonna try our best. That's what we're gonna fucking do. We're gonna try our fucking best to just fucking deal with that kind of situation, cause that's what's fucking about to happen. You know what? Do like you guys do you guys disagree? Do you not think that's gonna happen? Like we're what... about to, like shit's about to fucking go crazy.
3: Let's run with that thought for a second. Let's say he's right. Let's say he's right. I'm running with it. Okay, so the price jumps up 20x. Think about everything that means. Uh, fees are gonna jump up. I'm not going to say it's going to be so linear, much. but they're going to jump up significantly. Um, so forget about getting in the next block unless you really want to be.
2: You know, people are reminding me, every Sunday, clears, mempool clears.
3: Yep. Uh, if you have a... Not for long. If you have a hot wallet, or a warm wallet, or just some SAS that you're trusting in a custodial solutions, suddenly they're 20x more valuable. So High bounty. So are you keeping them there? Or are you moving them? Is this a... All right. how, so that's
0: what, like, that's what, really drives home the point like of the, the fractal nature of the boom and bust cycles that have happened to this point. What really, uh, gives credence to the idea that this is replicable, replicable, uh, going forward mm-hmm. is because the network, the actual network, the protocol hits a, like a, a scaling threshold where it literally need like needs less pressure, yeah. less fee or transaction pressure. it just naturally has to go down because the the network doesn't function as well as uh, the amount of people using it at the time, like, want it to function. Um, And then you have a price crash because it's technically not functional. It's functional, but not to the extent that the people want it to at that point in time. People leave, sell their Bitcoin, pressure subsides. Uh, You have a higher high, and then you you build and take that data in and say, all right, this is where we didn't scale this time around. Like let's work on this technology. And since 2017 lightning's matured a lot liquids that on market Segwit has been more adopted taproot and stuff like that coming. I think that's good, uh, inter, uh, all time high development progress in my mind since December, 2017. And like, will there, so that's a big question. Like, do these cycles repeat themselves into perpetuity? Uh, I would say I don't know, but if they were to, I think it would be this technical limit that sort of dictates and mandates them. Like the, the no. protocol just can't handle it at the time. It's like, all right, we couldn't handle it here, so let's fix these things and over the next four years. People will realize Bitcoin still exists and get in and clap, and then our scaling limits will be something else the next time mm-hmm.
1: around.
3: I tend to agree with that. I have a slightly more pessimistic take on it. But I tend to agree with it in general. I want to believe that technologies like Lightning and Liquid and uh what Ruben Thompson is working on with his professional one way peg and all these different technologies can take pressure off the main chain. But I suspect what we'll see take even more pressure off it is people just getting really comfortable with, you know, Coinbase as a sidechain, you know. The someone running a SQL database somewhere that keeps track of all your Bitcoin obligations. I'm not thrilled about it. But I think it's, instead of me being the Bitcoin police and saying, oh, you should always and every time be custodying yourself and not your keys and not your coins, I need to focus on preserving my right to do those things. And if other people are using Coinbase or whatever exchange to handle their stuff and stay off-chain that way, if the, as long as they're aware of the risks and willing to do it, I can't promote it, but I won't begrudge them the right to do what they like with their software.
0: But I would even push back there in the f- sense that exchanges are the largest transactors on the chain mainly traders going inter exchange yeah so even if you have that um, user preference play out you still have the trading in the background the mm-hmm. inter exchange arbitrage which if the price goes up you're going to draw more degenerate gamblers and institutional investors which that would be the larger driver of that transaction demand I would say.
3: I wonder what effect that's going to have on them. I keep having the same thought over and over every few months, which is I can't believe we went through the block size wars first and then after Coinbase implemented batching. <laughs> <laughs> right? That is just... Right? Uh, <laughs> seriously? Um, who knows what they'll come up well, with. That's, that.
0: that's the other thing. Like, What are exchanges incentivized to do, especially
3: right. multi-coin exchanges? Like, yeah. Are
0: they incentivized to help Bitcoin scale or is it like, actually in their best interest to like, not uh use Bitcoin in the most economically efficient way possible because it would drive people to other chains on perceived advantages due to a lack of scale yeah. that those uh, coins have and they reap the trading
3: well, fees. And I, I guess it depends on the exchange, but you know, if you're looking to IPO, if you're if you want a public stock offering, your unit of account is gonna be dollars. You want to make as many dollars and as many transactions with as many users and show as much potential growth as possible. That means Multi coins, but you know as many shit coins as possible to as many users you want your goal is not Securing access to the Bitcoin network or making it more efficient for Bitcoin users to transact necessarily It's to get as many dollars going in as you possibly can
0: and what has a higher yield at the end of the day And which I think transitions into a topic that you've been covering pretty intently for the last few years, which is exchange staking like Imagine being able to set it and forget it and get a higher interest rate as a staker, staking validator um, by having a majority of stake, offering your users a higher interest rate, and then is that more profitable than trading Bitcoin? And is it worth paying the Bitcoin fees when you can just accumulate a certain amount of a coin, have it sit, and still make yield on that?
2: Yeah, I mean, with Bitcoin, it doesn't seem like that much of a concern, right?
3: Say it again. With
2: Bitcoin it doesn't seem like that much of a concern, right? Right. Like I mean I would I would the the big concern is 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 I mean I, I don't even think these proof of stake networks could exist. No, we're not talking about the, the, the we're talking about the exchange incentives. Right. Like it's
0: easier work to just stake a coin, right? And and like
3: okay. Is it worth it to provide a coin staking service? Well, okay. Yeah, there's a demand for it there's some people that want it and they don't want to hold their keys is is it but you don't make yield on holding your bitcoin
2: but you do because you hold it and it's going to accrue value over time and this is a this is a critique of proof of stake right
0: remember this isn't a a defense of it it's yes it'll be it's so exchanges are incentivized to do this which therefore leads to inherent centralization of proof of stake chains and then so the real question is what are exchanges incentivized to do uh, and do they have Bitcoin's best interest at heart or Bitcoiners' best interest at heart the other day.
3: It's strange to think about the answer to that, and I'll tell you why. If they do have an incentive to focus on staking, what are we talking about here exactly? I thought we were talking about a decentralized protocol where every node has its equal access, and you're giving a bunch of exchanges the incentive to pool funds together and custody them. That's That seems to be yeah. cross-goals. Uh, I mean... Sure. I guess it makes more sense to them to for a given exchange to set up a staking pool and to cater to those customers who want to store their coins and earn more coins and keep things going. But what does that have to do with Bitcoin and what we're trying to do? You know, it's it just the only thing those two things have in common really is that there's some network attached software involved in it, you know. Yeah. Yeah. It's like um a
0: temporary it, market condition. But like so to tie it back close tie- the door yeah, close the door so we don't hear your piss, please. <laughs> um, to tie back, yeah, so like from a market narrative perspective, like that's what's been used to attack Bitcoin in the past, right? It's high fees, yeah, congestion. Like we need to offer these shit coins because Bitcoin is not capable of doing what we needed to do. Right. Now at which point, you know what, steel man, to what extent is that a uh, a valid argument?
3: I think that narrative is always going to be useful to someone. I mean – It's always going to be easy to say, Bitcoin doesn't do what I want to do, so here's my alternate coin, and here's why you should invest in and give me money. And maybe, you know, if Bitcoin isn't doing what you need to, maybe it makes sense to at least try something else, but there's a difference between trying something else and then trying to get that something else listed on exchange so you can dump onto retail providers who are anxious to get on, quote-unquote, the next Bitcoin. The, The history of that happening over the past few years has been littered with charlatans and pretenders to the throne. No one's actually pulled off the, okay, we actually fixed that Bitcoin problem, now you don't have to worry about high transaction fees anymore. We've got that sorted, you know?
0: And yet they come back again and again and some reincarnate themselves. So I guess this is the natural segue into what are your current thoughts on ease? Matt's got to hit the side of the toilet. and is just picking up his whole piss. And It's like a two minute piss.
3: <laughs> uh, yeah, let's just,
0: yeah. Two minutes. Yeah. 23 seconds. I'm going to write that down actually. Um,
3: How long are we going on the... I, I just realized we've been talking for a little bit. How much... How long have we been talking? Two hours and 23 Oh, minutes. that was... Oh, I thought... Got it.
0: Um. Yeah, it's... Uh, <sighs> it is weird. So Pete Rizzo and I mm. bring him up because we talked literally less than 24 hours ago and I think he had a really good framing um, for the Bitcoin... Uh, an Ethereum comparison, which is mm-hmm. like has Ethereum failed at what Bitcoin strives for, and alternatively has Bitcoin failed at anything ethereum has has striven for mm-hmm. so I think you say for the former, certainly, yes, it has failed at providing sufficient um, decentralization and uh focus on the ability for people to run full nodes and actually scale a network. As is evidenced by ETH 2.0, where uh, people would point to Ethereum as their best use case of smart contracting and stuff like that. Has Bitcoin necessarily failed at that? And I'd say the answer is a resounding no. Like it can still grow into that
1: mm-hmm.
0: that type of use case. And um, I think, for me personally, like I'm tired of talking Ethereum because mm-hmm. I think ETH 2.0 is a fucking just blatant recognition that the, the the project has failed.
3: I'm trying to find a way to be polite about that. Um, I'm sure if you found the most diehard Ethereum enthusiasts you could, they would vehemently dispute that and say Ethereum 2 is the future and it's going to fix everything and you're just a toxic maximalist for saying otherwise. You know, one of the things that occurs to me when we have discussions like this is that Ethereum has no long-term cultural memory. And we do. We remember the ICO boom and the pre-mining and this, that, and the other thing. I think the current cultural memory of Ethereum stops, starts and stops with DeFi and like the DeFi boom over the summer. Everything that happened before is just, you know, water under the bridge. And I think that's important because if you believe that's true and that the history of the Ethereum project is effectively being rewritten with every new fad or every new meme, then, sure, maybe Ethereum 2 hasn't failed. Maybe it's actually successful. DeFi onwards and upwards. But the thing that was promised in 2016 and 2017 and the flipping and all that, yeah, that ship was sailed, guys. You're just another altcoin. <laughs> Sorry. It's, it's a shame to me to have to say this because I... I keep getting told that I'm a maximalist or religious zealot for it, and at the end of the day, I'm an engineer. You know, I can't tell you that this two-tier network that you built that is very much not peer-to-peer, that very much does not solve any of the problems I have that I looked to cryptocurrency for, is functional and useful. Maybe it's an interesting project for you to work on if you're an Ethereum uh, developer, and I don't begrudge you that at all, but it's not... I hate the words cryptocurrency or blockchain. Those don't quite capture it. It's not peer to peer in any sense of the word. That Infer outage a couple uh, weeks back, right? Where okay, Infer is down, so a bunch of exchanges can't process your withdrawals. You've and got that to was be
0: cloudflare issue, correct?
3: I didn't even dig into it. It was just so who cares? I think it, I think so. I want to say so. Yeah, doesn't matter. I mean, a single provider went down, and so your chain doesn't quite work right anymore.
0: And another
3: sort of canary in the
0: coal mine about this impending failure of e3.0 oh, is one of the test nets failed because of an mpt time dependence
3: oh right i remember that from way back um
0: and so that really gets to the crux of the difference between proof of work and proof of stake and this asynchronous time order that proof of work provides by finding a hash doing proof of work producing a hash lower than the current difficulty target that proves that you did something that you needed to do in block sequential order versus proof of stake where you could be fed a bad data point due to latency from a certain time oracle that completely fucks up your, you're, no dependent, you're depending on a math problem over an oracle sending you a timestamp.
3: Yeah. I can't imagine what problem it's meant to solve. You know, I, I can think of it, a bunch of new problems that it creates all of a sudden. I mean, I guess the implication of slashing and its dependency on a consistent time across the chain is that you can never really trust your balance unless you trust your time source. Yikes! So what is that? Uh, who is this for? You know, I feel like this. When we're talking through it, this sounds like a bunch of engineers tried to solve a problem on paper without talking to the users who would affect. Who's the user who is like, yes, slash me after two minutes if my NTP source goes bad? Who's that helping? Right,
0: and so, like, for the layman out there, comparing that to proof of work, why is proof of work
3: superior to that uh it's one c p u one vote now it's because you have equal access, you don't have to worry about counterparties or anything else. once you're on chain and everyone's building on top of the block that you uh last got your word on, that's all she wrote. You don't have to worry about conflicting views of uh the network,
1: yeah,
0: and like even beyond that, like you're depending on a. Like a math problem that everybody can solve at the same time. And that's like the, the starting point, which is.
3: I'd go further and say it's because it's this is still what we're talking about. It feels unfair to criticize Ethereum too because it's still a research project. And they have every right to be a research project. I think you have Do the they right. Though? Well, you have the right to have a research project. You don't have the right to sell it as if it's a final product and a competitor to an actual 10 they years. They
2: like sold worth. it as a fucking product. I mean, it was, they had an IPO. ICO or whatever.
3: Yeah, that part is kind of fucking. It bullshit. is actually like an ICO, right?
2: Like they had this whole sale process, and they sold it, and then those people sold it to more people, and you're burning ETH 1.0 tokens for the promise, of... and then you're gonna yeah, you're gonna sell this for tokens. the new thing, and you can't get it back if if things go wrong. All right,
3: the whole is ETH to a different asset. I mean, I'm not. Now. I
2: don't care. I, I'm not. I don't want the government to come in. I'm not cool with that. No, that, that, and I agree I with that. I think they should do whatever no. the fuck That would actually piss
0: me off even more because then they'd have a, an arrow in the quiver to be like, ah, well, the that's government stopped this. Designed- I think it'll just fail on merit. The like,
2: way up. Bitcoin's designed is, is to prevent that kind of situation, but but they they didn't take that into account as much. So... No. Well, we but, don't, but still, I'd prefer if it
3: didn't happen.
0: We don't have to focus on this too much. Um...
3: Um, Wow, that was a winding road we got down right well that's usually what happens I will say that I don't think Bitcoin has seeded the smart contracts use case at all Um, and as much as smart contracts interest me and I'm looking forward to things like OPC TV and discrete log contract oracles and all the work that we're doing on that at the end of the day smart contracts are a relatively niche application of cryptocurrency Um, they're for the nerds like it's for the people who are listening to this podcast you know my mom does not know the word smart contract she knows (laughs) true story i did not tell my mom the first thing about bitcoin because i did not want to have that conversation with her i'm already she's been using the internet she's been an internet user for at least two decades now and her password is still her children's first name you know (laughs) i don't want to know what that looks like with bitcoin for her but she pestered me into not setting her up for bitcoin or setting up bitcoin for her she wanted to get access to digital money. I'm like, what do you mean digital money? Are we talking about like M-Pesa? Are you moving to Kenya, mom? She's like, no, my friends have been talking to me about digital money on Telegram. And eventually after like three times asking her, she used the words Bitcoin. Uh, and so I set up an auto recurring buy for her. That woman is never going to know the word smart contract or discrete log contract or Oracle or... UTXO for that matter. Yeah, proof of stake. I mean, no, that's not the benefit to her. That's not what matters to her. It's like... Finding a normie on the street and saying, hey, do you know what TCPIP means? No? Well, that's a shame because it impacts your entire life.
0: (laughs) Right. Well, then that gets back to, like, the bodega conversation. Like, how much should people need to think about that stuff, right? Like, in your everyday interactions, like, in a P2P sense, like, in your neighborhood. I like, think, should you be like trying to inter- inter- engage in a smart contract with your bodega owner? Like, I don't know.
3: I think you should be allowed to go on with your life without knowing that stuff if you don't want to. But yeah. it also occurs to me that the people who invested the most time and effort in learning as much as they could about the internet early on ended up benefiting quite a bit from it. I'm thinking of like Sergey and Larry being doing their PhDs at Stanford and like, hey, this web stuff might take off.
0: Yeah. Now they're in. Um, Larry specifically, a very. Yeah. Or uh, now I'm thinking of Eric Schmidt he has a lot of influence over all this shit.
3: I think most people probably should be, well, you shouldn't have to use Bitcoin to know any of this stuff. You should just be able to just open up a wallet and send it back and forth. But if you want to dive in and care about it, you should be able to do that too. Right. This is all about choice and access, you know, spectrum of access.
0: And how do you think that the choice of access has improved or, um, or become worse over, over the last few years?
3: Um, it's gotten worse in some ways because exchanges that only had, say, Bitcoin and Litecoin, because those were all that existed, now have hundreds of coins. But there are also alternatives to those exchanges popping up where not even exchanges. where you can All you can do is recurrently buy Bitcoin. Um, and the idea that, that you can just set up an auto-buy monthly that you don't have to care about, that you can set and forget, is, I think... A step in the right direction is pretty powerful for the average user, because now they don't have to do, I'm not going to say the worst thing, but one of the most terrifying things that new Bitcoin users do is buy a bunch of Bitcoin and then refresh the charts every other minute. (laughs) Like, am I worth 10 cents more? Oh no, I'm worth 10 cents less. You don't want to, do not take on the task of being a FX trader. It is not a fun gig. Those people do not live happy lives. No, and there's
0: not many who can do it well. Yeah, just (laughs) chasing
3: pips all day? Jesus.
0: Right? And that's like, I think somebody had that critique of Michael Saylor where like he was talking about like, ah, I invested $400 million. I find myself looking at the Bitcoin chart all day. It's like, if you're investing $400 million in this, like you shouldn't look at the Bitcoin chart at least like yeah, once a month, if it. that, like, um, which kind of goes back to time preference. Yeah. And mindset when you're entering this, you guys are relatively new freaks here. Don't feel the pressure to go all in right away. I know some will say, yeah, go all in like it's worth it, but. You have to understand this. And if you do it without a solid base of understanding, you will have weekends. Like, you will no. geek out the market the first
3: 30% drawdown. It happens inevitably. Oh, fuck
0: you. One of 11 on the way to the all-time higher,
3: something like that. My general rule is only buy as much Bitcoin as you need. And if you don't know how much you need, then only as much as you're willing to lose. If you, if you can answer how much you need, I'm not going to... Alright, well, Model's next to me. i got to be hyper bullish for him. Most people, are gonna, who, <laughs> most people I know who say they need as much as they can get their filthy hands on. But if you don't know that you're part of that crowd, just as much as you're willing to lose and plan on losing it, because you probably will.
2: Buy as much as you reasonably think you can deal with losing and then buy like 150% more than that because like you didn't buy enough. Like, I just... Yeah. I don't know. I I'm at this point in the cycle where I'm just like, I just did not buy enough. I do not have enough Bitcoin. I will never have enough Bitcoin. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I feel that way too.
0: It's inevitable, though.
2: It's like you're you're gonna feel that. You're never gonna have enough Bitcoin. It's impossible. You'll never be satisfied. Is that is that healthy? It is what it is. But is it healthy? Yes.
3: I'm not jumping in that one, guys. You gotta sort that. Out. <laughs> you gotta sort that out with a marriage counselor. Um, I will say. <laughs> If you take the view that money is an option on the future and that money buys you future freedom, then can you ever have enough future options and future choices and future freedom? No, I don't think so. But if the converse is, if you if all you can think to do with your money is to buy a night out in the town and a Lambo or whatever, then dude, you don't even know the first Lambo. You don't much less a hundred, you know? <laughs> right. Rent a Lambo for a night, then find out that those things are a real pain in the butt to drive, and then never touch a Lambo again. That's my advice. Yeah,
0: don't even rent it. Lambo's are cheesy. I've said this many times.
2: You can't get a stick shift Lambo anyway. You can't. They don't have manual Lambos. You can only get a stick shift. No, it's automatic only. Uh,
0: Hand up. I can't drive stick.
2: No, it's only paddles. Like You can only do paddles with uh, Lambo
0: somebody who can't drive stick, I still think that's pretty weak.
2: It's really bad. Yeah. It's not a good situation to be in. It's not.
3: Uh. I just realized we're talking about getting Lambos when I don't even have chairs. Just walk, guys. <laughs> just, just walk.
2: Well, no. I mean, a Especially car is the just an expensive chair.
3: <laughs> exactly. A car is just an expensive chair. <laughs> it is. You heard it here first. It
0: moves
2: pretty fast. It's
3: a it's chair true. on wheels. Uh,
2: what do we think, gentlemen? I mean, where are we? It's it's December twenty third, twenty twenty.
3: What a choice, Festivus.
2: It's 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 we are barreling past all time highs, just hitting new all time highs every second. And and Bitcoin's being banned by by Secretary Mnuchin. Munch That's the but- situation we're in right now. Munching butts.
3: Well. If that's happening, I'm not turning my Nodal off. Put it that way; that thing's still <laughs> yeah. running over there in the corner behind the uh, curtains. So yeah.
0: What do you, if that does happen? Let's play it through uh, from a reaction by Bitcoiners' perspective. Like, what do you think? Of insights. Do you think more people freak out and sell, or do you think it emboldens people like ourselves to to run nodes? Most um, people. Whirlpool. Hmm. Will Whirlpool liquidity go up? Will I think? Hmm. How will other countries react? Will they see that and be like, "Ah, oh, look what we can do!" Like we're sending peer-to-peer transactions.
3: I think, it, <laughs> <laughs> I think it'll be a little bit of a shit show. <laughs> I think every altcoin that thinks they can exploit that opportunity to their own benefit will try to do so. Um, whether it's Ripple or Ava or any of the other ones who say, "Hey, we're happy to comply with any rules and regulations that the Treasury tells us to comply with," there will be that whole rush. Uh, we'll see some companies rush to defend bitcoin and others rush to defend their profits and we'll find out who is who and i think we'll definitely see the hardcore bitcoin i don't want to say bitcoin maximus but bitcoin only crowd um we'll see a slew of different responses from them some people will go dark and do the whole underground railroad thing some people will actually try to work through the legislative process and whether it's hiring lobbyists or talking to the congressman or filing lawsuits where we'll try to attack the order head on. I think ultimately it depends on what would be announced. I think it's a hard sell to one way or another stop people from running the software they want to run. But stopping people from transferring the fiat they want to transfer is actually sort of how fiat works by design. So if you want to put limits on, say, how much can be deposited into your Coinbase or Bitfinex or whatever account, I'm afraid that's pretty easy to do, uh, and if that comes to pass, we have to just see how we're all going to react next. My hope is that BISC takes off, um, but I don't. I don't have any smart answers for that. It's sort of. Right.
0: We found out this week it doesn't even take regulation from the government. I know I'm a porn yeah. hater on this podcast, but Visa Mastercard were able to. Yeah, how'd you yeah. feel
2: about that, Marty? Mixed, you know. Mixed.
0: No, <laughs> 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 yeah, it's like it is. I mean, you don't want the exploitation of. Individuals on a plat- uh, no, 100%. Right. Yeah. But then it's like, yeah, Misa, Visa, like, Mastercard, Visa, like, MasterCard. Like, they shouldn't
2: decide. Yeah. Right. This yeah. is the thing. This it's is like...
3: Is, this is the whole Treasury's War bit. I mean, if Pornhub had been found guilty or even accused in a court of law of the things that they Which had they been weren't. accused of... Sorry?
2: Which they weren't.
3: Yeah. Then that's one discussion but I... Just like you said, I certainly, of course, don't want the exploitation of miners or anyone else on their platform. But I'm at a loss as to why Visa and MasterCard is the judge during execution on that, uh, why that's desirable, or why anyone would appeal to the payment processors to deplatform them.
2: And did anybody appeal to them?
3: Uh, I think there was.
2: There's no process.
3: Yeah, uh, there was an article by Ackman wrote something in a, an op-ed in the WSJ, I want to say. Um, but there was a general kerfuffle, let's say, on social media. Like,
0: well, another loop back to something we were talking about earlier. Again, like the book that you're just about to embark on, like, what drives bubbles, government or technology. Yeah. Like, what in, prohibits freedoms in the digital age, government or technology? It's both. think like the is both in their own ways, right?
3: Mm-hmm. Just, uh, when did they, when did they drop the, uh, I, I guess they dropped their unverified content if I remember correctly. That happened
0: this is yesterday or the day before. Wow. Like people are just freaking out on Twitter about not being able to watch their, their
3: foot jerk offs. So of course, as if there's not enough free porn floating around on the internet already. Jeepers. Yeah. Um,
0: it's, uh, yeah, they've, it's only blue checks of the Pornhub world are, are allowed to post content there right now. That's okay. the, uh, if you want to apply that
3: i wonder if there's going if they're going to see a rise in bitcoin utilization or any cryptocurrency utilization maybe maybe there's a huge ripple contingent on pornhub i don't know yeah, spank chain right mm-hmm. oh right
2: <laughs> you love spank chain bro you bring it up all the time
0: because i think it's just one of the hilarious like Martin, oh. like
2: secret bag he's just got like a shit on <laughs> spank chain he's just, like, <laughs> pumps, he's just like pumping it through negging it every episode well i just
0: think it's like the the most stereotypical like shitcoin out there like, oh, we're going to create a porn coin. It's like, why are right? the porn Plus stars spank
2: take Spank
0: Chain instead of Sats? Like.
3: That's great. It's For me, that's between Matchpool and Dentecoin. It probably eclipses them both. And like the this sounds like a good idea for one second in the line at Burger King when I overhear the guy behind me telling t- 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 <laughs> his friend is over the phone. And then if I think about it for one second more, I wonder what on earth you were smoking.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's what it is for Marty. For Marty, it's like it's like, why would you use Spank Chain as your? Denticorn on steroids. Yeah.
0: It's, like, yeah. it's like, why wouldn't they just stream SATs for you? That, like, like <laughs> add porn to the Sphinx app. Like, it's better than Spank Chain.
3: I mean, who has ever had that problem? You know, who's ever, who's ever going there and saying, man, there's just not enough free porn here? I want to pay for it. But also, what if I could use a different currency? <laughs> Wouldn't that help someone somehow? What if I
0: got in at the ground floor? Yeah, exactly.
3: (laughs) (laughs) World computer man. Uh,
0: But it's uh, what this this all touches on something that we've been talking about as well throughout this almost three hour conversation is like the the rewiring of the brains of the masses, not the masses, but like individuals collectively which equals the masses but like the rewiring of brains necessary to to change the the framing through which people view the world particularly their interaction with money mm-hmm. um and like the the idea of digital barter for a spank a spank chain for a dental coin for a
3: god for yeah. a carrot
0: buck um makes sense to people in the line of Burger King but it's getting people to that point where it's like no you can use this free sovereignty political currency in bitcoin no just accept value that way you don't need
3: i think the only thing that changes people's perception of it is time it's going to be like the internet you know that's the one thing that hasn't come with the internet it did not the internet was what it was almost overnight but we were not ready for it for a generation or two there's a whole generation that need that has jobs right now they're almost dependent on the idea that bitcoin cannot work in a way that it It's a completely fantastical idea. If you work as an intermediary at a retail bank or a functionary at a central bank, you've built a non trivial part of your career on the idea that this is a joke and it can't possibly do anything useful. If it's even 10% not a joke, then you start questioning your life.
0: Yes. And this, thank you for saying that because it gets me back to something I want to touch on in the beginning of the episode. It's like good to bring it up now is all right, we're talking about. Optimistic or pessimistic views of the future? Are we getting sent to the gulag or are the economics incentives strong enough uh, to uh, have society cooperate to just naturally transition to a Bitcoin standard? Let's focus on the United States, particularly now in the United States that has the reserve currency of the world and the US dollar. Like, what is the risk reward analysis right now, do you think, at the top echelon? Like, what do you think they believe the possibility of being able to sustain the U.S. dollar system as a reserve currency into the next one decade, two decades, three decades? What are the probabilities on that? And at what point is there a tipping point where it's like, actually, it makes, from a risk-reward perspective, a a better idea for us to, like, sort of be open to Bitcoin and our citizens adopting that?
3: That is an intense question. I might just go off on that. Wow. Please do. Okay. What are the chances that the United States dollar, the USD dollar, and the dollar system remain the global reserve currency for the next 10, 20, 30 years? And how does Bitcoin play into that? Okay. Um, Actually, I think that pile of books by Matt. There's a few of them that touch on that. Um, One of them is Eichen Green's uh, How Global Currencies Work. It's a good one on the history of global reserve currencies in particular, it talks about how for the past century or so, um, before the USD was the global reserve currency, it was of course the British pound sterling. And after several devaluations and basically the sunset of the British empire, the USD and the pound sterling switch places a few times back and forth as being a global reserve currency. Uh, it turns out we talk about global reserve currencies if they're, uh, the most important thing in the world, they're really just exactly what they sound like, currencies that central bank keeps in reserve. So when you look at them like that way, in that light, it mustn't necessarily be true that uh, the only thing that could replace the USD would be another country's sovereign reserve currency and someone that would be willing to take on the same obligations that the United States as a hegemon took on um, during Bretton Woods in the post-war reconstruction period. I don't, I'll bottom line it for you, I don't think it's going away as a global reserve currency asset anytime soon. Uh, I think the popular thing to say is, oh, the Chinese are coming and the yuan is going to take over. But I don't see that happening. Not the least of the reason of that nobody particularly feels like learning Mandarin. But beyond that, I mean, it's a, one thing to hold the yuan on your balance sheet, which I think more and more people are going to be doing. Um, the reason that... Oh, man, just get into petrodollar stuff? It might. The reason initially after the breakdown of Bretton Woods and, you know, everything that happened, what the fuck happened in 1971, the first reason that central banks accumulated the United States dollar on their reserve balance sheets was because it made sense. You know, they're buying goods and assets denominated in United States dollars, the most important of which at the time was oil. The decision was made to price petroleum in dollars, and it turns out it's actually a really way, great way to bootstrap your currency onto every central bank's reserve sheet is to make sure that the one thing in the world at the time that everyone wanted to get their hands on is priced in your currency. Um, there's I th- I've tweeted quite a bit about the petrodollar because it sort of exists in this no-man's-land between conspiracy theory and actually how trade deficits work. It's very obvious that it's real. <laughs> Sorry? I said it's very obvious that it's real, right? Yeah, it's totally real. It's just how much you want to believe it, it impacts made. the world, you know? Like yeah. how, how is important is it the petrodollar, it? Or the euro dollar? Yeah. So my, M1
0: versus it, the loanable
3: funds. Or whatever.
2: It doesn't exist.
3: <laughs> my personal take is that it was important at the time. Uh, it's a great w- a great way to bootstrap your currency to global reserve currency status is to make sure that everybody wants it. There are very few things that everyone wants, Especially in the 70s, I can't think of anything that would have fit that bill besides oil or gold, and you can't really price gold in your reserve currency. You have to. Oil was key because there were only one or two relations that had to be made to make that pricing decision. Um, but what's since replaced it, and what I think personally, I think the scarce goods and resources that drive demand of the U.S. dollar is actually modern finance. It's access to our capital markets, uh, our stock markets, futures, forwards, derivatives. If you, want it, if you want to engage in modern finance, you need access to the U.S. dollar. Think of it this way. There are three things you can do with your dollar. You can hang on to it, keep it, you know, or you can spend it on something, or you can spend it on capital goods, which is a special kind of spending because it's, you're using your dollars to make more dollars. That last bit, the capital goods bit, you need dollars for. If you want to make more dollars, you need dollars to start with. You can't Start from rubles and then somehow trade your rubles on the CME for commodities traded there and get back more rubles. That's not how it works. You need dollars to make that trade. What I'm getting at is as long as people want to make more dollars or want to make more of anything, unless there's an alternative to our international capital markets that are dollar denominated and uh, operating under the treasury system, I don't think demand for dollars is going away anytime soon. Yeah. I wouldn't even argue, like in the scenario you just outlined there with the
0: rubles, maybe there is somebody who wants to get more rubles, but to do so they have to go to dollars and come back to rubles. Yeah. So it drives a demand to purchase those dollars in the first place.
3: Yep. This is the, I think this sort of touches on what we were talking about earlier, which is I don't know that the worry should be that the dollar is going to lose its global reserve currency asset. I think the worry should be, is it going to be a big fucking deal and to be a global reserve currency asset anymore? I mean, what does that mean now? So you're on a central bank's balance sheet. Good luck have fun right
0: and this actually sent me down a thought experiment like maybe and actually strength, like there's a dual role there where the dollar is a world reserve currency Bitcoin is a reserve currency to an extent but it's the currency that companies uh, give their goods out at a discount to get because they think it's gonna deflate versus inflate on the dollar which because it's like the circular like it's just a circular economy one of the circular economy arguments taken to, a national level where hey if you want to accumulate bitcoin offer your goods at a discount for bitcoin to entice people to buy it Um at that point in time like does that scale to a national level and if so do these countries hold a reserve of dollars and bitcoin how they and is that temporary like at what point is like all right I don't want dollars anymore good question like micro like strategy just bought another <laughs> over ten thousand dollars with
2: Three quarters of a billion, over ten
0: thousand dollars worth of Bitcoin, over ten thousand Bitcoin uh, Mm -hmm. today they bought, I believe. They have like seventy, they have like seventy-two thousand Bitcoin on their balance sheet right now. Wow, insane. And cash is arguably negative because they just took out a bond to buy this
3: round of Bitcoin. See, I wonder if that's where we're headed. Where we're thinking of? Oh God, I'm gonna. I'm going to talk about where Bitcoin is money now, isn't it? Isn't that's where you're leading me. <gasps> it's a trap. You said you wanted to talk about this. Oh man. Is I it sa- money? <laughs> I said that a while ago though. Um, I think where this is leading to is maybe thinking about Bitcoin as being the next global reserve currency is the wrong framing. Maybe thinking of Bitcoin as the future of money is the wrong framing. Uh, maybe Bitcoin is what made money obsolete, made money irrelevant it's something beyond money. It's you talking about it in those terms would be like saying, you know, oh, the internet, it's sort of like a fax machine with a library attached to it. Technically that's a very true description of the internet. There's telephone lines and you can transfer information, but no, it's not. That's not what it is. It's this new it's what David Bowie said, you know, it's its own it's an alien life form. Right. Wow. Um, I like I, this. That's the most... I uh, That is my most terrifyingly bullish take, which is calling it the future of money is just small beer, man. It's so much fucking more than that. Money is just boring shit for central bankers and jerks on Twitter to fantasize about. <sighs> Let them play with the money and we'll be something else. Have you
0: been coming, uh more confident in this idea recently? Is this something you've held? Is this uh, a belief you've held for a while?
3: You know, I think... Well... Because
0: it it is very enticing, right? Like how, like, especially when you consider the aptitude of humans to adapt to the pace of technological change, uh, the likes of which we're going through right now, compare that last to when the printing press or the steam engine or the combustion engine was created. Mm. Like, Do we even have the comprehension to?
3: Yeah. It's hard to see the future when there's something, when there's a technology that, undermines everything that came before it in that way the thing i come, keep coming back to is i mean fiat currency isn't going anywhere anytime soon and when i say going anywhere anytime soon i mean i think for decades now i've been hearing rumors about the death of print and the end of the newspaper and all that and how the internet was going to just kill journalism entirely and instead it made it something weird and strange and different and there's still you know you can pick up a newspaper at the corner of bodega right now if you want to but it's not the same thing, you know? Um, I don't think fiat currency is going anywhere without a fight, but the more of it we have to print, the more measures we have to take to keep that system up and running and going, and while that's happening, every single day Bitcoin continues to exist, drives us towards a shared future where one of these, uh, techno- one of these uh, options is... I'm not saying driving towards irrelevancy, but just eating itself alive for better, better, like, lack of a better way to put it.
0: Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Like what is the, the U S dollar fiat currencies in general getting weird look like it's like a free banking system backed by Bitcoin. Say it again. Like a free banking system backed by Bitcoin where um, you could use the novelty of going to a city and using their currency. The Bitcoin exchange rate. It does now, but it's us flip the relationship. Like what is it getting weird? I think Do they we, become more valuable to an extent because they're um,
3: vintage, if you will. What I suspect we're going to see, and I don't know how this plays out in practice, but what I suspect we're going to see is what we're already seeing. We're going to cannibalize the store of value function for money. We're just going to consume it alive and say, okay, you get to have payments now. You get to have credit swaps now. Go ahead and denominate those in dollars. Best of luck. And yeah. we'll just store our value in this instead.
0: Well, that. That makes the, the emergence of the CBDC seem natural and inevitable, right? Because it would make that situation a lot easier. It's like, hey, all right, we're going to airdrop you these digital US dollars. You've got three days to spend them. Here's where you can spend them. Yeah. You can
3: do it. I don't know how that would work out because as anti CBDCs as some Bitcoiners are, you might be surprised at who else would be anti CBDC. It'd be the retail banks the why do you want to give away the remember the retail banks are the ones who create private credit money not the central banks necessarily it's the retail banks loaning out giving out the loans yeah so if the central bank uh takes that power from them are they going to be on board for that is there i don't know how that plays out in practice i think it's easy to talk about a central bank running a blockchain and writing the parameters for their software but what you're really talking about is redoing the monetary system, uh, the endpoints of it. I'm not sure that all of the banks and all of their clients are on board for that.
1: Yeah.
0: And again, going back to the proximity to information source, like that would just take it to another degree where you already have like local community banks completely decimated. Yeah. Um, small business loans being given out. At bank of America now are like arguably worse than what small community banks could provide in the past. If you take it to the central bank level level. Yeah, completely breaks that down, which is, uh, and that like I think you touched on another thing there. Like, from your perspective of uh, a software developer, an engineer, like, what do you think the chances of the Federal Reserve and the U.S. government in conjunction implementing a software project like this are success? Like, what do you think the chances of them doing it successfully are?
3: Well, I think the last Bitcoin Ch- mania cycle showed us that. Every and I think they gave their best effort to it. Every Silicon Valley uh, startup, every Professor Coin, every everyone thought they had a chance at, at if not dethroning Bitcoin, at at least uh, launching a competitor to it, and failed so completely abjectly in that goal that I'm wondering why anyone would look at that series of failures. It wasn't just one; it was everything from I don't know uh, Initiative Q to is libra now DM i guess maybe that's okay sure
0: DM now libra ava
3: yeah this that and the other thing um it's hard for me to look at all of those private sector failures and they are failures you have to call them what they are they were shooting for the moon they didn't hit the moon it is what it is um it's hard to look at those failures and say you know what needs to be done here you know what's going to fix this a government agency that's never shipped software before, they're going to get it right first try, nail it out of the park, and if they don't, the men with guns will show up and force you to use their code. I don't see that happening.
0: Right, and it's, it is crazy. So that's like why I love talking to you because I think you have a great long-term perspective on this and a very level-headed perspective. Like what would you highlight as some of the the short-term fears that a lot of people have in this space particularly that are probably unwarranted um, compared to the long-term fears they may need or the optimistic view for the future that they're overlooking.
3: I don't, okay. I might be able to get away with saying this because I, I think I think you're good. Yeah, I think Modal might be taking a little bit. Of, he's in hibernation mode.
2: Nope. What was that?
3: Not, it's cool. <laughs> I got this, bro. Um, I think we want to, oh God, I might, I'm gonna try not to offend anyone here. Uh this is a friend of mine's phrasing, not mine, I'm borrowing it from him. Um so if you're too sensitive, just bear with me a sentence. He called it the Anne Frank fallacy. We all want to believe that we're Anne Frank hiding in the cupboard and fighting against the Nazis, and we our story is written down in the diary, and we're the main characters. Uh and in this case it would be, you know, the state's gonna come in and kick down your door and take your open dimes, man. That's what you should Don't Don't worry about that. Worry more about a modified light version of what Matt was proposing where there are limits on uh, fiat deposits and withdrawals where it's just high enough that no one has really a reason to complain if they're all shitcoin gamblers. But if you actually want anything to get useful, to get anything useful done, you're actually impeded by it. We talk about the the Bank Secrecy Act and how the original $10,000 limit set in the 70s has (laughs) Change we go ahead, it
0: would have to be like $70,000 now if it's applicable. Yeah. That's crazy, yeah. yeah.
3: Yeah, inflation has wildly changed what the Bank Secrecy Act has meant. Uh, my biggest concern would be that we put some relatively lenient KYC AML requirements on all American exchanges that are just high enough that no one can really talk about launching a lobbying effort against them or has the is willing to spend the political capital to fight against them but just low enough that doing anything particularly useful with Bitcoin is out of the picture. That would be my so biggest like concern. What's Bitcoin that level? gets Ron Pauled. Yeah.
2: What's that level though?
3: <laughs> Good question because it's going to change with inflation, right? Um, yeah.
2: What's that level today?
3: Today, my personal metric is how much money do you need to hop a plane to another jurisdiction and start a new life? So figure six months living expenses plus a plane ticket.
2: So like what, 20000 No, it's like sixty.
3: Let's get sure. Let's call it less than a hundred thousand, because that's I I know at least Coinbase or Cash App has fairly. If you verify up, ooh wow, I'm already caught. They have KYC ML at those high levels, don't they?
0: Huh. Yeah, yeah. To get it out,
3: my next step is and that's I, why you
0: stack and get it out as soon as possible, freaks.
2: It would draw, would draw, would draw.
0: Especially on Cash App, Cash. I mean, disclaimer, sponsor, but five thousand dollar <laughs> weekly <laughs> limits, not
2: a lot, disclaimer, especially the of the pot.
3: Here's one that I just thought of that uh, you reminded me of. If right now there are multiple chain analysis companies that are going after users for all sorts of fun reasons, isn't that great? Oh, you have an Iranian IP. An Iranian IP? Like oh. I have to use a VPN when I visit my family, man. I can't even like it, the terror you have when you boot up. You're like, oh wait, I hope my web webbra- <laughs> I hope nothing auto-connects before I get my VPN going. And Ugh.
0: a lot of these people like to LARP about systemic racism. Like, this is legitimate systemic racism. Like
3: if Yeah. You, it, like, it blows my mind that people would want to spend their life building software that does that. But to that end, if they were continuing with their current efforts and start trying to do the equivalent of chain analysis or fund transfer analysis, rather, on BISC or decentralized exchanges or really go after, like, well, local Bitcoins has already been hit, but, like, really clamped down. I think the one thing that I'm fairly certain we won't see <laughs> is a multilateral accord between different countries, you know, agreement between China and America and Russia on how to crack down on their users, which, if we don't see that, that means regulatory arbitrage will always be an option, I hope. Knock on wood, good lord. Will and in the creek don't rise.
0: Right. Well, this actually leads to an interesting thought experiment, too. Like, So, if we... Uh, assume the fact that there are a considerable amount of Bitcoin in free float. A lot of OG whales holding a lot of Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. It gets to the situation you're describing where the network's like not like mandated to be bifurcated but just by enough pressure enough nudging. It's just naturally bifurcated. And obviously like big whales uh, old school Bitcoiners had the hodler mentality but does that a game theoretically, in sight, the need for them to sort of uh, start to like jumpstart a, a closed loop economy of P2P Bitcoin to try to get into people's hands. Do you see hodlers, even though the price isn't where they expected to be when they departed with their UTXOs, um, like uh, begin paying people to do things in Bitcoin because they want more people accepting it at the P2P layer to get it more distributed? Like, is that how? Bitcoin routes around that particular regulation, that particular regulation.
3: I would like to see that. Uh, I would love to see in response to any proposed regulations, if Bitcoin is just say, where to respond by saying I will only be paying with my Bitcoin for your goods and services from now on, you can choose to take payment from me in this form or none not at all. What I suspect would happen is that we'd see, assuming there was a bifurcation between KYC coin and uh bitcoin proper i think we'd have to see where that how that bifurcation was implemented and where if it's it's one thing to do it on the on-ramps versus say are you talking about requiring exchanges to use a particular fork that has implements whitelisting for example because that's a whole different ball of wax you know it depends on whether we have the option of forking them off or not because we've had that option in the past and we've done that in the past yeah. we we well, well, we didn't do it. We came close with BIP-148 and the UASF and all of the well I the standoff. Lo- I
0: would love to go down that wait list rabbit hole. Mm. Like are miners incentivized to go down that rabbit hole.
3: Which miners? I think some of them will be, some of them won't. Um, there are some miners that are one step away from being, I don't want to say with any judgment, but rogue criminal enterprises. Um, and I'm going to say you know, if you're in a sweatshop in North Korea running a miner, okay, that's uh, rogue and criminal are both loaded words, but they're not playing by anyone's rules by any definition. And there are some that are actually state-backed. There, at this point, Venezuela has a national mining pool. So, will they implement the Venezuelan whitelist? Probably. I don't think they have a choice. What does that mean for the rest of us on the network? Eh, we can mine those transactions for now if they're not if they're not allowing uh, transactions to certain addresses to mine. I'll be happy to collect those fees exactly
0: so like why so why would you even go down that path if you know you're in mining which is such a low profit margin like cutthroat business
3: why would you ever try to well
0: why would you like openly mine blocks that are less profitable than the potential block you
3: could mine either you're very short-sighted and you're just throwing up something up against the wall to see what sticks. And I realize that sounds hand-wavy, but remember, Bitmain and Jahan really thought they had that in the bag. You know, the largest miner and the largest uh, exchange and the largest investor, Jahan, Brian Armstrong, Roger Ver, they were all in on the same page on the big block uh, fiasco. So more influential minds than, uh, than those that might be trying it this time around, tried it last time around. it's it's a good market lesson like Jihan
0: lost it was a bad risk right like it proved to be a bad risk
3: yeah I mean the only way it works really is at the end of the day is if you really think you can pull off a 51% attack um come at me bro
0: like what and the likelihood of that is significantly decreasing over
3: time yeah you would need a combination I'm trying to think of how you pull it off in practice you'd need to co-opt a whole lot of mining power it wouldn't be enough to get your own you'd actually have to straight up co opt it. You'd have to have multiple actors that you're bribing or paying off or coercing in some way. Yes. And
0: you have to coordinate yeah. I would argue like the individual miners within your mining pool specifically and get them on board because just game theorying this out, like if you were an individual mining miner in a bigger pool, again the game theory is so perfect. I love the design of Bitcoin. Like even if the pool were to act against like so as an individual miner contributing to a pool you should assume that at some point in the future, that pool could attempt to act nefariously against the Bitcoin Mm. network via 51% attack. And you could write code like, hey, if, like, just as you're contributing to this pool, if the pool I'm contributing to is proven to change X amount of transactions over Y amount of blocks, like I'm going to switch my hash to this because this pool is acting nefariously. And the point I'm trying to get to is there's probably ways to build mechanics uh, from the individual miner level uh, to the pool level to switch quickly if the pool that you're contributing hash to is going against your long-term economic interest.
3: Oh, yeah. In fact, there must be. There have been people, there have been miners who have been switching back and forth between, uh, well, I guess now it's multiple chains, but when it was BTC versus BCH, there were auto- mechanisms in place to automatically switch back and forth between the most profitable chain. I think it's just a simple matter of adding additional logic.
0: Yeah, but this takes it to another extent where, like, you're not just profit seeking. Like from a, you're anticipating nefarious a- activity from yeah. the pool that you're contributing to, and then, like, the, the ability to switch from pool to pool as profit switching has shown is trivial. Mm. So you could, and that's like the game theory that comes in where I don't think a pool would ever do that because the ability for the individual miners within the pool to switch on a dime is such that you're going to lose out on that. It's going to be, you're going to waste a bunch of money. Yeah. trying to lodge that attack.
3: I agree with that. But
0: that's what like people say like, Oh, the three biggest m- mining pools are in China. Like if CCP ever comes down you'd be like, you can literally direct your hash rate to slush pool in the Czech Republic within like five blocks if you want. Yeah.
3: To. I've never understood that theory. The miners very clearly work for us. They order our transactions. That's the yeah. way it is. Yeah. If you, if you feel differently, then you need to go back and study what happened in 2017 and figure out how both your theory and their actions can, that year can be true. Well, that's what, like,
0: sort of piss me off. Like, I always re, – more recently, I began that, RE, uh, that, that uh, Princeton paper, mm-hmm. Selfish mining. It's been – like, Vitalik uses it as an attack on Bitcoin's long-term security. A bunch of people use it as an attack on Bitcoin's long-term security, and they completely discount – the initial capital investment that individual miners make in their projects. Like, yes, a state actor could invest all that money, but they'd have to hope that they were able to tell what's going on with every individual miner outside of them. And if they're unsuccessful with that attack, it proves Bitcoin's that much more secure, which increases value X amount. And, like, Mm -hmm. if you fail that attack, like, it's very high risk and relatively low reward, due to the fact that individual miners can change mining pools.
3: Yeah. That was my rant. (laughs) I think, okay, I agree with all of that. Uh, I'll only add that I think one of the mistakes we make is thinking that the incentives and the reasons that people have present day for mining, namely gathering the fee subsidy, uh, the block reward and the fee subsidy, might not... Be the reasons that people mine in the future. You might mine in the future just because you want to mine, just because you want to be able to get into the next block, just because there's. Don't assume. We shouldn't presume that the motivations that people have to mine today are going to be the uh, motivations they have in the future.
0: See, I want to say, because you're never able to guarantee they get into the next block, even if you are a miner, because you have to guarantee that you were able to mine the next block. Mm -hmm. But I would say there are. there are things when you mine, mining produces a lot of heat. Yeah. That heat is another source of potential energy for other things outside of the Bitcoin network and mining. You could use that.
3: Harvesting mining to heat your, heat your home. your home,
0: greenhouse, a bunch would of love, other stuff.
3: I've had a dream of having a sauna or a pizza oven powered by a set of ASICs, unfortunately. <laughs> Shout out to uh, Jesse from Hoddle Ranch. He's, he's uh, shown
0: his... This Bitcoin S9 hot tub. Oh. But like if you really wanted to talk about the security of the Bitcoin network, and I teased this on Twitter, and this is what I meant when I teased this, is like people severely discount the future revenue produced by mining outside of the block reward. Yeah. So you have the subsidy and the cumulative fees. Uh, that is what people suspect to be the total reward today, but they completely discount the uh, tangential things that can be produced on a mining site. You yeah. can produce other revenue at a profit that provide profits to the mining operation outside of the block reward, mm-hmm. which people don't haven't taken into consideration yet. Yeah. The thing about Bitcoin's long-term security from a mining perspective.
3: It's going to take a long while for that to become general knowledge, mostly because, I mean, even now, what you're doing with Jam is pretty cutting edge in terms of the effect it's going to have on the profitability on those oil fields. You don't really know what the equilibrium is, where it makes sense to harvest how much gas and how much additional uh, flow of petroleum that will enable. You're still figuring that out. It's going to be a different number for every field in every location.
0: Uh, And then you're taking into consideration the BTU content of the gas, which dictates different generators and... Uh, you have to run your miners a different way, set so the voltage a different way. It's so many. There's so much nuance to it, and that's why it's so exciting, right? It's like a, a yeah. new frontier. And then another thing that's very exciting for me, talking about industry, and while we've been talking about tech a lot throughout this episode and probably mainly thinking about tech and the software, unicorn software perspective, hmm. what really excites me about GAM is that we're building physical things that, yeah. like, Yes, there's a computer and a software component to it, but at the end of the day, we're building these containers, these airflow systems. It's electrical engineering that is pretty not—it's novel. It's never existed. We're building it because we need it for this particular use case. It's never existed, and the potential to plug that in, and actually build physical things, and bring back physical things is a cool thing to build—an innovative thing to build. Seems very cool to me. Maybe I'm biased or jaded, just due to my proximity. To gorgeous American mining but uh, <laughs> it does feel the the physical nature of these containers and of the hardware it it feels different than the trend that we've witnessed the last ten years
3: it's absolutely a very cool thing it's funny it's almost a meme now in this country that our infrastructure is crumbling and falling apart there's a reason we don't build new stuff we don't take care of the stuff that we built we have to it's incumbent upon us to build physical tangible things for ourselves and for our children to be able to enjoy and to be able to work in. Yeah, it's,
0: and that's like what this this country is literally. We I don't want to approach this as lightly as possible, considering. Go we ahead. Lose. We're
3: on hour three. Anyone who's listening in is yeah, at I this mean, point is in for the ride. They, <laughs> they bought the ticket.
0: We're in New York City. I mean, America. Obviously, Native Americans were here before Columbus came. But like, it went from a forest to. This crazy thing with, at one point throughout its development, the largest buildings in the world, uh, the most elaborate train system in the world, uh, built the best cars in the world up until, I don't know, a few decades ago. But like, like this country was founded on actually building things, expanding the infrastructure, the physical infrastructure. That's one thing I think, and I've vocalized this many times in this podcast. I think people in the quote-unquote crypto space severely discount and underappreciate the physical infrastructure that's going to be necessary to make these systems run
3: I agree with that if only because it's so it's not short sightedness, so much as just an inability to wrap your head around what a gargantuan task you're talking about do you remember the 21 uh, mining computer the Raspberry Pis and the Asics? yes that's yeah, one of my favorite that's one. one of my yeah. favorite
0: antiques that I have
3: yeah I mean that's not too long ago, we were thinking that that was going to be the way Bitcoins were mined. Everyone would have a little Raspberry Pi. No, 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 no. You need to be thinking about infrastructure in our entire... Think about the Manhattan Project. Think about putting a man on the moon. That's what we're talking about. The level well, they of... They
2: were kind of... They were, like, in the right direction. Like, the idea that every Bitcoin should have, like, a Raspberry Pi running Bitcoin. Right. They got that half right. But they... <laughs> They, they should have expected the they were completely they were <laughs> they were completely wrong about like how it happened and like how the result didn't happen right Like yeah. that's pretty crazy to me yeah I mean, they, they were, were the, off by like were, a couple of years they were mined and noddle before no, mined and noddle they just yeah, had they made yeah. no money off of it well they they expected
0: is to they produce failed. hashes that that would be profitable or to just. That's There's something hilarious. there.
2: There's it's interesting.
3: Yeah, that's so crazy. If they'd spent the money instead of that ASIC ship on a hard drive and just writ different software. You're right. Jeez. Like
2: they, they could have front
3: front
0: run all these software boxes that are coming out now. Oh. I'm dealing with one myself. My uh in my abode. Ah. Fuck it, let's go for four hours. Seriously? Forty minutes away, why not?
3: <laughs> YOLO. Okay, if you're known on this point, um, you know what? DM me if you're ever in New York City because (laughs) I owe you a drink for listening to us for this long. Jeepers.
2: Is New York dead? (laughs)
3: Uh, You know, I think you two hanging out with me me here all day in New York City makes me think it's not dead yet. Is it going to be different? Sure, but different isn't bad, you know? New York's gone through many different stages. I poop on New York a lot, but...
2: Yeah, you do.
0: It's... again. Uh, what was the cockroach analogy I used earlier? I forget. New York. New York's not going to die anytime soon. It's gone through the 70s. Better than what, cockroach.
3: What I'd really like to see would be, it's weird that we talk about New York, you know? Because I think about the like the Upper West Side, for example, or Financial District, and that might as well be Jersey City to me, or I don't know uh, Mamoronek or one of those places in Long Island, it's almost just because we're geographically contiguous doesn't mean I live in that part of town, you know?
0: Yeah. Or even share the same culture of values as the people up there, the people. But this, this this actually ties (laughs) in well to, like I mentioned earlier, I wanted to touch back on Philly and something personally that, uh, having like internal discussions about it with my wife is like, where the hell do we want to land? Like we were in Williamsburg. We left, we had a first child, Mm-hmm. shutdowns happen. It's like, all right, studio apartments, not conducive for an infant and a uh, global pandemic lockdowns. like, let's go get some more space. And now luckily we have an opportunity where we have some time to decide where we want to go. And it's like, fuck, where do we want to go? The uh, inclination to retreat to Texas and uh, in the context of like, Hey, I think the lockdowns up here a little a bit over re reaching over arching and a bit anti, uh, human liberty I think human liberty would be preserved more In Texas but there's also that part of me is like fuck I want to fight for Philly like I want To well, stay in Philly Northeast Texas? Yeah my family's in Philly like I want I, I like Want to convert that not convert Them but like be like hey I want to fight for I want Philly to I want to live in Philly around My family and like It's ironic I'm talking about Philly Specifically because it's the fucking bastion of uh, freedom in the United States. Is it's it where Declaration of Independence was signed?
2: Like, I mean, if you want to, if you like, frame it that way, sure. It's like
0: uh, I have this internal struggle. Like, hey, man. Do you retreat to Texas or do you stay and fight for? Philly? What
2: about what about northeastern Texas?
0: What about northeastern Texas?
2: You know, uh, New Hampshire and Maine.
0: N- yeah, I have no connection. It's, it comes back to family for me. That's the thing. It's like, you know. Yeah, it's like, it's hard. It's a hard pill to swallow. Mm. That being said, I went to college in Chicago and then lived in New York uh, hundreds of miles away from You my grew up
2: in South Carolina for some time, right?
0: Yeah, uh, born in Philly. We moved to South Carolina for like four years and back to the Philly area. Mm. A, little over, a, little, a little school trip to, to South Carolina, learned some manners, and stopped saying water. Water. <laughs> uh, John. John.
3: I'm with you, man. My... My parents uh, immigrated to this country, and Philadelphia is where they landed, and it was their, not to be too cheesy about it, but their vision of the American dream was very much, you know, the Liberty Bell, Penn's Landing, all that. I have a soft spot for that town. I could really go for an Italian hoagie right now. Oh, I um, do. A of bread. Oh, it's Lesia's now. has the bakery. Oh, yeah. You go, a... Get some tasty cakes on top. Ooh, a little it. <laughs> <laughs> Matt's about done with us. i say, but... I grew up a very proud Philadelphian. It's weird to
0: see where the city is now. Not that it's in a terribly bad spot, but...
2: I mean, New York's in a bad spot. Philly's in a horrible spot. <laughs> There's
0: a lot of people buying houses in Philly coming from New York. I'll tell you that.
3: Yeah, Are you fed up with that, by the way? My little brother lives in Philly, and he he cracks something all the time for the, the the New Yorker exodus that is apparently...
0: Well, in my experience, it's family that's like going back to Philly, planned to at some point Yeah. years from now. This just expedited it. No. Which I'm in a similar boat I'm closer to Philly and New York now mm. I wouldn't be surprised If I jump to the Philadelphia area Within the next year um, mm. It's like yeah it's, It goes back to roots And, and I think that's Very uh, Particular to Philly Specifically I think Philly It's got a very Strong contingent of Devout Catholics Devout Jews Devout immigrants Devout like and then between them, like, a very connected, like, we love Philadelphia Yeah, sort of mentality. It's, uh... Oh,
3: man. I... You're not wrong. I live in New York, but it's not where... Everyone from New York is from somewhere else. Philly... People from Philly are from Philly, you know? It's yeah. not... Oh man, Matt's gonna dunk on me I'm from somewhere else, man He's from here So he, I'm an interloper in his town And now he hates me
2: No, you're but, not You're like You're a proper New Yorker Do I get
3: to keep the cookies then? Of course you keep the cookies, then? You you gonna...
2: keep the cookies. <laughs> you, He grabs the cookies
3: Shit, I can't I'm not gonna dox him But Matt's much more of a New yeah, Yorker than I am No,
2: you're, you're a fucking massive New Yorker
3: Thank you, I appreciate that What's the threshold for being Like, am I a New Yorker?
2: I don't know yeah, I think you shouted much too quickly after 6 years there was, there was no there was no there were, you were a new yorker and then you weren't marty <laughs>
3: <laughs> oh man you guys need to fight this out no, come no, on no. let's I have...
2: I think I think you were a new yorker you absolutely were no I, were. I, I i would you were here for a while you just on us really quickly and i just wish you all right like i'll I'll switch to
0: uh giving new york props and shitting on philly philly People that don't leave Philly like are very stuck in a very Philly mindset. Oh I mean, yeah, that's Philly,
2: true. Philly, Philly, do, I don't think like compete with New York. It's, it's literally, it's always sunny in Philadelphia. Like Philly about, does not <laughs> Philly trying d- a peach for the first time. Philly but. does not compete <laughs> with New York. It's like comparing like feather coin to Bitcoin or something. Whoa, 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 whoa! Oh
3: whoa, whoa, wow, whoa. we, we, we weren't going to take know, it there.
2: Like it's not even. It's 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 fine. Like there's no there's it's, yeah, it's New York's filled cool. with a bunch
0: of posers and Philly's got a bunch oh, of salt of the earth.
2: Okay. Do I have
3: to pick side
2: now? I mean, Chinese. New York is clearly Bobby Clark. Cheese sticks. Your New town York sucks. Is, <laughs> New York is the Bitcoin of of cities. Ooh, New York has Lindy. New York is fucking scarce. We have more Lindy than New we York. We have fucking Manhattan. It's, it's 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 a truly scarce piece of fucking land. We have the largest population. All land we is have scarce. the most thorough put, Huge demand on our block space. Where is the comparison? There's no comparison. Like. New York is Bitcoin. Austin, right now. Austin. There is. is an
0: exodus. There's an exodus where you want
2: to. Yo, Austin's great. Like, I'm glad that it's so great. What's and the real estate market friendly, like right now? But, like, Stellar cannot compete with Bitcoin. What's the real estate market? <laughs> like what? Right
0: now? What's the New York real estate the
2: market? The New like? York real estate market right now is in a very opportunistic period. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good way to spin it.
0: <laughs> By the dip. Very,
2: very opportunistic period. Uh, no, the will Austin say- market is super overpriced right now, you know. So like, you can go Austin if you want to go Austin. I just, uh, I don't think it competes with Bitcoin. Uh, Bitcoin. I don't think it competes with New York. No, I will say you do. New have York to, is Bitcoin. You do have to factor in uh,
0: generational stuff right now. Like, so I mentioned my cousins that expedited their move out of the city. A lot mm-hmm. of it, a lot of it, driven like, hey, family formation. Like, I'm ready to have a family. Whereas younger cousins and family friends, I know. Those people of early anyway. 20 kids
2: are up here right now, like, yeah. running
0: around, like I don't fucking care.
2: New York is not San Francisco. Like, I think people don't realize, like, people are going to realize, like, San Francisco is going to be Detroit. Like, it's going to be bad. Like, San Francisco is going to be in, like, the next five years, ten years. Like, San Francisco is going to be Detroit. It's going to be really fucking bad. But I don't think, I think New York is going to be New York. It's I mean. It's going to co- continue to to. Just shit on poor people and just be like a fucking mega city. (laughs) (laughs) Shit on poor people? Yeah, I'm not saying it's a good thing. I'm just saying that's what's going to happen. Okay.
0: I will say, like, San Francisco, I've been there twice in my life, and both times were very uh, unpleasant in person. First time I got robbed, second time. Oh, wow. Get out of my rental car to check into the hotel with my wife, and there's just some person jerking
2: off on the steps of
0: the hotel. Yeah, that's fucked
2: up. We never had that in New York. No, I... I've we never it. had the jerk off outside. I've seen it on the subway before. Not in New York, really. PG past thirteen, guys. PG midnight. thirteen. Past midnight. But like in San Francisco, it's like on Main Street. You know, it's yeah. like right there in front of you. Yeah. In New York, it was like, i It was in the corner in the chain station. You know, yeah. that was twenty four seven to begin with, which isn't twenty four seven anywhere else.
0: Yeah. City never sleeps. City never, never sleep. stops jerking never off. Sleep. There's there's somebody jerking off in the city at every second. <laughs> <laughs> PG thirteen, yeah. but in a good way. <laughs> Uh, has this gone off the rails? Should we tie this back to Bitcoin?
3: Yeah. Do you want to let's bring it back <laughs> around somehow? Um, Bitcoin fixes people jerking <laughs> off in front of hotels. I'm not it
2: sure. Not yet.
3: Doesn't. Yeah, probably not. Probably. Does not anyway, fix any of this? What are you most excited for in 2021 for Bitcoin? One, one word. Let's say. Go ahead. Understanding. Ooh. Fuck, how the fuck am I going to top that? I was going to say something shitty like Taproot. God damn it. Screw you, buddy. Coinjoin. Oh. KYC Matt is gone. Coinjoin Matt is here. Fuck yes. <laughs> <laughs>
2: KYC Matt, what the fuck?
3: I'm just fucking with you, man.
0: <laughs> one word.
3: Hmm? What's your one word? Oh. Uh, well, fuck, I'm not using Taproot now, asshole. Um... Fuck, this is such (laughs) Uh, acceptance. I think acceptance, yeah. I think first comes understanding, then comes acceptance. No, I mean, like people getting over the whole oh, it's a bubble, oh, it's tulips. It's not, it's going to be accepting that it's not going anywhere. I know
0: we're now three and a half hours into the podcast, but this is something we talked about before we hit record the tulip bubble, like, yeah, bullshit. Yeah, why were you mad about it before we hit record?
3: Yeah, so the Tulip Bubble is an artifact of history, literally. it's The mania itself certainly was a thing, but it wasn't as widespread as it was uh, made out to be. It didn't last as long as it was made out to be. Basically, the historical record uh, of the Tulip Bubble was wildly exaggerated and then turned into a meme in Charles Mackay's Extraordinary Delusions to the Madness of Crowds. Uh, and Quinn and Turner's Boom and Bust, which I've just been reading, did a had such a low opinion of the bubble, they were like, it's too unremarkable to even mention when you compare it to the South Sea bubble or uh even the vacuum tube bubble, which was totally a thing by the way. just Describe the vacuum tube bubble. Uh you know, when radios were first a thing, people really thought it's in the same way that shit coins and uh and railroads people tried their first shit coin and their first railroad and said, Hey this is neat, there'll be a million of them." Ooh, it- my first shitcoin. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Oh God! Was anyone here ever a coiner at any point in time? Be honest. Go ahead. No. Did you ever? No, I certainly was. Like 2014, I fell
0: into that hole. I'm gonna raise my hand here too. So I'm really gonna date me, and people are really <laughs> gonna make fun of me. Like I listened to David Seaman for a couple months there. Oh my
2: God! Oh so man! Bad. <laughs> it's so bad. So bad. come Such a long way. Right.
0: Could you imagine? Ugh. I was young and dumb. Oh, young and dumb. I was like 22, 23.
2: At least I, I hope you were a proper shitcoiner. You ran your own node. And you I were, did.
0: I did. Yeah. My own POS node.
2: Nice.
3: There
2: you go, proper shitcoiner.
3: I think my wife's calling. Where are you? I'll confess my sins as well. I spent a solid six weeks on Cripsy being a shitcoiner.
2: The Big Vern? Cripsy yep. was way Big out of Vern. its time.
3: Yeah, the first shitcoin exchange, right? The first true shitcoin exchange. proper,
2: proper shitcoiner exchange.
3: Yeah. Big Vern got you. Yeah, Big Vern got me. Where is he right now? Is he still chilling?
0: He never got caught, did he?
3: No, I think he's floating around somewhere in Asia. Uh,
0: if you're listening out there, Big Vern,
3: I'm gonna fucking kill you. <laughs> Dead serious, seriously, bro. You I better, will
0: find you. You better fucking run. Hope you've been working out, you fat piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh man
3: everyone's a scammer
0: so so right much that it honestly stuff. freaks if you're still here three hours and 32 minutes in just go print out michael goldstein's everyone's a standard everyone's a standard everyone's a scammer everyone,
2: everyone <laughs> is just a straight-up standard everyone's a scammer <laughs> okay tape it to your
0: wall and read it every morning it's honestly the most prophetic they're, just, about Bitcoin. they're
2: so consistent. They're just all standards. <laughs> <laughs> all right.
3: I appreciate the the hope of making it to hour four, but we literally, between the three of us, <laughs> cannot pronounce the word standard. So I'm suggesting we we wrap this up. Uh, all right. And we have uh,
0: 26 seconds until we hit three hours, 33 minutes, 33 it was, seconds. It was a good
2: time. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times.
3: It was... Amazing seeing you guys. I'm glad we got to sit down and share a steak with each other. Um, as usual, I have nothing to shill. Um, nothing. Nope, nothing whatsoever.
2: No tokens, no just, NFTs, no non-fungible tokens. Just well, keep, keep being dope. That's an NFT.
3: Um. You know what? Peace on earth and goodwill to men. Happy holidays, everyone. Merry Christmas, happy Hanukkah, have A joyous Kwanzaa, whatever else you celebrate. I would call it out specifically if I knew what it was. Have a great time. THE <laughs>